Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Crockcast Podcast. I'm your host, Nate, along with my co-host, Matt. Hey. And today we're joined by Tyson, uh, also more commonly known as Doc Mertens. Tyson, welcome. Hey. For, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. So, uh, you mind telling us a little bit by yourself how you first got into reptiles and keeping them? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm from New Zealand originally. Um, reptiles aren't as common in New Zealand as they are everywhere else. Uh, my, my beginnings are pretty generic, like most people. Um, fascinated with dinosaurs. Um, discovered Steve Irwin at a young age and, 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 and went from there. However, uh, being from New Zealand, I never really had access to, to all the things that I, um, I was in love with. And, um, uh, you know, we have a lot of pretty incredible native species, but nobody really keeps them. Um, like a lot of the geckos and, and things like that. And uh, um, my first sort of introduction to reptiles was turtles, actually, red-head sliders. Um, my, my, my mother got some for me when I was very young. Um, being a Ninja Turtle fan as well, they were a pretty easy choice, um, about five years old or so, and sort of ran from there. Um, first first experiences keeping reptiles weren't, weren't that great. There was a lot of information about turtles back then talking a long time ago now, like uh, 26, 27 years ago, something like that. Uh, um, uh, you said you first uh, started off in New Zealand. So what kind of caused you to move to Australia? Um, so uh, I'm an electrician by trade, and there's just not a huge amount of money or opportunity in New Zealand. Um, so that was one of the main reasons why I moved. Um, I actually always had a dream of working at the Australian uh, – sorry, at um, Australia Zoo with Steve Irwin um, as a young kid. And I think that I was sort of a little bit fueled by that when I moved here. Um, obviously, uh, being able to keep reptiles was a huge reason to move. And essentially, I made a lot more money very quickly as an electrician in Australia than I did uh, in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, that was the big reason. And I, I'd actually moved to Australia so that I could travel. Um, I've, been a, I've been around the world couple of times i've been to a lot of cool places and lived overseas and spent my spent my 20s having a having a very very good time so i had a long period of not not keeping reptiles and then when i came back to australia um after traveling around for for 13 months or or so on my last trip i i decided that if i was going to stay here i needed to get back into into keeping and um that was around four years or something ago now and 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 uh i got Got Doc, got got a Mertens, and um, and yeah, everything that you see has basically been built in the last couple of years. That's awesome. So, uh, being from New Zealand, I, I know you said you kind of got your start with like red ear sliders and all that. Did you ever have an interest in tuataras, being that they're from like the islands off New Zealand? And I understand when I asked that, that's like just because they're from New Zealand doesn't mean everyone's into that, but just out of yeah. curiosity. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love I love tuataras. Like, it's pretty pretty cool that we have have a have a species of reptile that that's pretty unique to New Zealand. You know, like a lot of people think they're lizards, but they're not. Um, and it's a shame that you don't really uh, you don't really see them um, while they are in a lot of parks in New Zealand. Like, they're they're nocturnal, so you, you're not really going to mm. see them out in the day um, so much. Um, uh, you do some some places like you can get lucky, but generally like they're pretty um, 
you know, they're hiding a lot at a lot of the parks that you see them. But there is such an incredible species and like feel pretty lucky to have to have them in New Zealand. That's awesome. Um, so do you want to get us kind of like a brief like uh, synopsis of what you do now, like uh, with Merton monitors and all the other stuff? Uh, yeah, so my, my main focus is, is building enclosures. Um, I, I have a small business called Habitats at Home. Um, I don't really advertise. I just do it on the side for a bit of fun and, and, and I try and challenge myself. Um, and, and my big thing is just, is just finding, finding problems in enclosures and enclosures and trying to work, work things out, you know, like, um, if you, if you actually like this, this room, my reptile room is, is, is cool. I think it's quite impressive. It's an absolute tip at the moment. Like it, everything, every enclosure is kind of half pulled apart because you know, everything, every enclosure I'm trying something, you know, so it looks good on the first day and then, and then I go, Oh, this isn't quite working. And I start to pull bits out of it and, you know, just trying to solve, solve little problems. And so that's sort of my main, my main, main thing. Also just husbandry. I just try and um, really study animals and, and, and what they require and try and replicate that um, in, a, in a small little box. So um, here in the States, like uh, Aki monitors and like green tree monitors and stuff like that are pretty uh, popular ones. You don't really see a lot of with Merton monitors. I know Mertons are native to Australia. Are they more common over there uh, as, as far as keeping? And then one, and then two, why, why did you decide to go with Mertons as opposed to other monitors species if they're le less common like here in the States? Um, so they're not very common. Um, I think that our, like, I want to try and say this nicely. I think that our standard of, I don't want to say standard of keeping because that's not true. I just think our standard of what we think a reptile should have is maybe a little bit higher here. So a lot mm. of people get off murdens because they can, they know they can't provide enough water. Whereas mm. I think in the States, people are like quite happy to just put one in a, in a tub and be like, yeah, it can get wet. That's enough water. <laughs> that over here is really frowned upon. Um, so I think that becomes a bit of a barrier for a lot of people. I also think that a lot of people who, um, keep like aquatic you know if you've ever kept a turtle you know how expensive running filters and and all the the water maintenance and and just the, the cost is just so extreme and i think a lot of people don't really realize that when they get into things like um uh like like well, like water monitors and things like that and i think that becomes a big a big barrier for a lot of people um um yeah and and the reason why I got a Merton's is because um, I always liked crocodiles, you know, and, and I moved to Australia and I had this, you know, when I was young, crocodiles were the be all and, and end all for me. And when I moved to Australia, I thought, right, um, whatever it's going to take me to get a crocodile, that's what I'm going to do. And then I moved to a state where you can't keep crocodiles. So instead, I got a small crocodile that can climb walls. And that's awesome. It's better. Like, I think I think that uh, the Merton's is the, the pinnacle of, of, of reptiles in terms of 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 what it can do and the habitat that they live in and the type of enclosure that you can you can build like they can you know they are so versatile um yeah i just think they're the best monitor you can keep what how would you compare their intelligence to something like a like an asian water monitor or something like that uh, not look we don't have asian water monitors here obviously so it's hard for me to hard for me to say but um i think all monitors are in a league of their own um mm. You know, she's 
she's calculating she's she remembers you know we go through big big periods like because of my work i like i i go through big boom and bust periods you know so i'm i go from times where i just literally go to work and and drive and sleep and that's it um to times when i've i've actually got a little bit more free time and i and i invest that in doc and we we get our relationship going where you know i can pick her up and 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 you know we can have quite a nice little time together and then just through times where she absolutely hates my guts and, and doesn't want me anywhere near her so um you know and and they talk about monitor interactions always leaving on a high you know sometimes that's quite quite difficult and she she just remembers you know she's um she's smart the other thing that i i think and you probably see this in other monitors but one thing that really fascinates me about the murdens is that they are so like that the instincts they have to eat crayfish or to eat yabbies or, or crawdads or, or whatever you call them is um is insane because from the small ones to the big ones they still eat them like they have a different way of eating them but they know it they know that they know the technique from 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 birth and i you know i've fed i've fed her all different sizes and even even where she'll go in the tank for different sizes because she needs certain rocks to maneuver them or pin them or or, or, or whatever it's, it's pretty incredible you know like the, the massive ones she'll actually um they they she crunches them in the midsection which seems to uh, neutralize or paralyze them and then she oh. she wraps them all the way down to the tail basically soften softening them up and then she'll swallow them tail first and if the claws are in the, in the way she'll smash them off and she seems to know which ones are like which ones she needs to smash the claws off and which ones um she doesn't it also like you know for us when we eat crayfish we like the claw is like the best bit but she doesn't actually generally go back for the claws i think that i think that just getting that tail meat is the is the best bit for her and for the really large yabbies that she can't possibly swallow because the the shell is too large she actually scoops them out so as she's swallowing the tail the lower jaw fits underneath the shell and she almost pops the shell clean off and gets everything out of the head and just leaves the claws and the shell behind and and she just knows she just knows it she knows how to do it you know they are designed to eat crayfish that's incredible so in the wild they're also eating, um, in the wild they're actually eating more crabs than they are crayfish um around 70 percent are, are crabs and and crabs are much much harder to get um and and, and yabbies are quite easy so i mean a yabby and a crab is essentially the same thing just different shape but um but uh yeah so i i have a i have a friend that, that has a, a yabby farm that's quite local to me and um uh, yabby dabba do if anyone needs yabbies go yabby dabba do uh email jamie mention doc murder and you'll get 10 percent off awesome. <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> you're in the east coast of australia and you have a murders or anything else that eats yabbies go nuts awesome yes yeah, so uh besides crabs and crustaceans or some other things that a doc would like to eat? Uh, everything. So I, I feed her um, quail, rats, mice, um, you know, if anything is, you know, like anything, if anything, unfortunately, passes away in the room, she generally gets it. Um, yeah. She, she'll eat, um, yeah, in, anything at all, really. I, anything I can find that's a bit obscure, I, I give it a go on her. Um, yeah. What would you say is the proper, um, cause you're talking about how like the water feature 
um, for uh, 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 Mertens is is more it's it's more sophisticated than what some people say. What would you say is a, pr a good water feature for a, a Mertens? So so hers is six by two by two, um, and obviously I, I guess I believe she's female. I don't think she's going to get too much larger. I really think that's the minimum for one female. I think for for a male you need to go uh, even larger. Um, but I think ideally, and what I'm working towards is around uh, 10 by 4 by 3. And I think that's that's pretty, that, that's enough. I think, I reckon that's about enough. And then land on the side. So it doesn't, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be super deep, more um, uh, width-wise? Yeah, I think look, two foot deep is, is, is probably the minimum. I think three foot would be pretty ideal. I really think you got to think of them. I think where people go wrong is like, is that like if, if you had to, if I gave you a turtle and you had to, and you had to set up a tank with what you've got at home, you would find a fish tank and you would get like a plastic container and turn it upside down and something and put a light on top of it. Right. You right. know, like lots of water, tiny little bit of land. Yeah. That's what you would do. And I think you got to think of Merton's in the same way. I really think that think of them more like a turtle. Um, they are so intrinsically connected to the water that that if you had to make the choice of land or water you would give them more water i think mm, okay i think um, you should give them, i'm not saying i'm not saying i only give them water but i think if you had the choice i think if you if you were gun to your head that's what you would have to do and, and that's the best way to think of them they're so they are the most the world's most aquatic uh water monitor and they literally will spend all day in the water they sleep in the water all their food comes from the water uh, in the wild, apparently, they never really go more than five meters from the from the water's edge, and they're essentially just swimming along, coming out, swimming back in, coming out. They essentially want to keep like a like a certain temperature. So let's I'm going to throw a number out there. Let's say um, 32 degrees Celsius, and they're going to essentially try and maintain that like a sine wave. So they're going to go into the water, cool down, come out of the water, and try and maintain that that sort of level level temperature. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as, as I understand, Mertens will be along like mangrove, uh, the sides on the shores of mangroves and stuff. Are they climbing into mangroves at all? Or are they, is it mainly just on the, like basking on the side and then in the water? So not so much, they're not mangroves cause they're not, co they're not really coastal. They're more, um, okay. they're more freshwater. So inland. Oh, okay, okay, okay. um, you see them at a lot of the springs and stuff up in the Northern territory in Northern Queensland. So okay. like a mini freshie almost. Yeah. Yeah. And essentially like, you know, um, um, if you look at, um, if you look at uh, uh, Luke, Luke Yongins has been posting a lot of um, videos and stuff of uh, Murdens at the moment because he's living up there and he's a mate of mine. And he knows I like them. So he, he sends me lots of pictures of them. They're a lot on his Instagram a lot. Um, but yeah, they're, they're in that sort of red rock country, fresh, fresh water, um, they're pretty pretty good around people. They live in a lot of clear water up in that sort of area. Um, yeah. Is there? Um, I don't know how much you know about this, but is there like a big problem with cane toads up there and with the mertens and yeah. other water monitors yeah. around? Yeah. Massive issue. It's a massive I, issue. I had read that um, monitors recently have been starting to. Uh, so I guess or originally the issue was that they were eating some of these and are maybe not Mertens, but just the, the, the animals around and they were getting sick 
but Mert monitors and other monitors are starting to now leave the areas once they see cane toads. They're starting to realize that they're not palatable. Um, I, don't know I, I don't know enough about that. I, I do know that there's a lot more species that can eat them than than what people think. Um, mm, okay. I, I think like a lot of the the larger monitors can can sort of eat smaller toads, and they end up being a little bit sort of uh, drunk almost, or a bit a bit maybe high even a bit unwell and then they sort of get over it but a lot of the smaller species um that are eating little toads um it, it kills them pretty quickly like a lot of sometimes even while it's still in their mouth they're, they're very very toxic and we're actually i'm pretty sure i mean seeing things lately like they've cane toads have finally made their way down to to sydney basically yeah. so i think they're finding them in penrith i think i saw recently which is like northern northern inland sydney so they're, they're horrible animals but they're they're you know, there's nothing you can do about them now. They're, they're as Australian as, as everything else now, unfortunately. And and I think I think there will come a time where a lot of the animals will sort of learn or adapt to to deal with them. But we just got to make sure that the, there are healthy populations maintained during during that sort of transition. So like for a while, everyone was saying, "Oh, when you see one, you got to kill it." But it's just you can't you can't kill them fast enough. So it's yeah. a waste. Like you're absolutely wasting your time. Um, there's also a lot of native species that look quite a lot like frame, uh, like cane toads to the sort of non-educated eye. So a lot of native species were being were being punted by golf clubs and things like that. You know, so that, there was move to stop people just taking things into their own hands. So. That's like we had a guest that does um, blue iguana research in the Grand Cayman Islands, and he's talking about how they have a bunch of uh, green iguanas evasive and stuff, and um, and they originally were telling people to to kill them and stuff, but there's so many of them, it didn't really make a difference. And then people were starting to kill blue iguanas because they can look a lot of times look similar yeah. to the green iguanas and stuff. And so they're having that issue. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, so besides uh, Doc, are there any other reptiles you keep? Uh, yeah. Um, I have a pair of olive pythons. Um, I have or uh, black crevice skinks. Um, I have a Darwin carpet python. I have two common tree snakes. Um, I have a couple of angle-headed dragons. I have uh, Varanus cordolineatus, and I have um, a, a ridge-tailed monitor, an Aki. Uh, we, yeah, unfortunately, we had some losses in the in the reptile room at the at the end of the year. It's a bit a bit, a bit sad, but um, yeah, we lost our turtle and we lost our. Um, I had my male. I lost my male angle headed head dragon about a week ago. Well, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it is what it is. Eh? I mean, it's pretty devastating when it happens, but you got to move on. Yeah. So, um, with your enclosures, you try and. Do you usually use a bioactive substrate in your enclosures or do you just go for more generalist realistic uh bedding for them it, it depends so certain i think certain animals do do well i mean trying to do something bioactive in a in docked enclosure would just be a waste of time um uh i think that you know on a massive scale it's possible um but in a small enclosure it's just it's just it's just not possible Especially because, like, I think a lot of people don't realize that in, in order for something to be bioactive, you actually have to have live plants uh, in the soil. And if you can't have live plants in your enclosure, your, your enclosure is not bioactive. 
um it's just you know they do a lot of people think that if you have like bioactive soil and you've got all these microorganisms in that soil like all those organisms produce waste so you put these things in there to try and deal with the waste of the animal but what deals with the waste of the microorganisms and right. that's why you have plants because the plants deal with the waste and that that creates the that creates the circle you know um so without live plants and docks and closure it's just it's just not 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 possible um whereas the 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 tree snakes do pretty well the angleheads do really well um uh my my darwin carpet i'm trying um to make that bioactive well it is bioactive but the big problem there is that they just destroy um mm. plants snakes snakes and plants just don't don't mix really yeah. um a lot of people do it and and i think that yeah i think i think there's a big issue as well like especially in social media is that like it's really easy to build an enclosure and post a video of it looking incredibly amazing and then they go like oh yeah here's my three month update and i guarantee you they're all new plants like it's oh, not yeah. I guarantee you they are lying <laughs> that would not surprise me at all whatsoever you know certain small animals like the the angle-headed dragons um they they do okay like i have a ficus uh pumilia that's growing up the background but they climb all over it so the plant is is doing well but it looks like shit because it has little claw holes all through all the leaves so it's like these 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 pristine i'm not like i said i'm not saying it's not possible but i, I also think with bioactive there's a big issue with um the amount of water required to make your plants look really good I think is detrimental for the animal mm, side. Yeah. And that's something I'm really working on right now is um, I've been working on it for a long time and I, I can do it in one enclosure, but I'm trying to like one, th one thing I work on in here is, is systems that integrate everything. So I have like, um, I borrow a lot from the aquarium world where I have like a, 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 a airline that runs the, the, around the room. I have a drain that runs around the room. I have, um i have like all my water bowl uh, water bowls auto fill i have um you know all my mist king lines everywhere and one thing i'm really trying to work on is essentially trying to put as much water as as possible inside an enclosure to feed the plants without the animal getting wet um i'm not a big, like as much as mist kings are great i'm just not a big fan of soaking my animal every day yeah. And I just think that unless you're doing it every day, you're generally not providing enough water for the plants, especially, um, you know, when you, when you're pumping it with, with heat and a lot of the plants that require a lot of water generally require a lot of shade. And then when you're putting a, a heat lamp on top, you're, you're, you're cooking them. So, um, huh, I think there's a bit of a balance that people aren't sort of really reaching. And I, I think like if you judge a bioactive enclosure on how the plants look, then, then you're not really doing it right. You're, you're, a, you're a botanist, not a reptile keeper. <laughs> um, with the Mertens, does the water, like, what kind of water do you put? Can you, like, put just water from tap? And then, like, how, like, is it okay if the water gets, like, dirty or do you, does it need to be, like, really clean? Like, how does that work? Um, so, like, with... I think that this is this is another another thing that people sort of miss out when it comes to murders is that like 
um, the larger the amount of water, the, the easier it is to take care of. So if you've ever kept fish, like a small fish tank, very hard to take care of. Large, large fish tanks, very easy. Out of all the enclosures in here, I'd say hers is probably the most like low maintenance, the one I don't really have to think about too much other than my bi-weekly water changes. I do like a monthly or six-weekly filter clean. And, and the most annoying thing is cleaning the glass because they're very heavy and very expensive and I panic every time I, I take them out. Um, but other than that, she's pretty good. You know, she she um, doesn't really go toilet in the water that often. Um, she definitely does, but she not that often. You know, if I generally let her, letting her out every couple of days, she she actually um, shits on the plastic floor in front of the enclosure, which is is disgusting but helpful. Um, it, it works out. It works out all right. Um, but yeah, like you just have to have big big filter, high flow. Um, I have like a little, um, like a wave maker in the bottom and like as she drags a lot of the stuff in there during the day, it settles and the wave maker comes on like sort of around 6 p.m. and just blows everything up, gets the water moving again and gets all that, all that um, detritus and stuff up and the filter, filter sucks it up and, and, and works on it. And it, there's no difference between say, say having one Merton's in a six foot tank or a, like a heavily stocked fish tank you know like if you if you have one i reckon one pleco causes more waste than one merton's wow that, like plecos are uh shit machines just <laughs> not so i guess i guess i think as long as you're as long as you know i treat the water with with um dechlorinator and I, I i test the water every water change to make sure my parameters are okay but like after a while you sort of realize what your water is going to do and, and testing becomes a little bit less um necessary but uh yeah she's she's good i mean i've actually so one of the number one things i get asked is does she eat the fish and 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 the, 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 the truth is yes she's just <laughs> this summer absolutely annihilated uh, all my fish i think i've got three left so i've kept fish in there for for years and the fish have been fine and fish are a pretty good indicator of of, of water quality so you know I've, I've raised rainbows up to, to full size in there and um and then this summer she decided to murder them all so <laughs> she just got hankering for, for four years. years or yeah, she just decided today's the day and nailed <laughs> all of them. <laughs> um, how would you rank? How would you rank their handleability compared to, like, say, like an Aki? Since you own an Aki, Aki's are considered pretty handleable monitors. Yeah. Would you say? How would you? I'm probably not the best guy to ask that, just because um, I think that I. Don't, I don't I don't know I don't think I've invested enough time um, okay. my my Aki is pretty handleable handleable inside the enclosure but as soon as you pull him out he freaks out mm -hmm. um, so in same a doc doc is um like she's handled enough for me where I can maneuver her around and and I can pick her up and move and she's she's pretty chill once you start sort of um, holding her, she's okay but when you walk around with her she doesn't she she hates it she hates i don't know she might feel like she's flying or something she doesn't she doesn't like it so um there are definitely handle like you know it's all about time i think all monitor species can, can tame down um uh you know over time um rory uh, rory schumach is a great guy to follow on youtube for that sort of stuff he shows you how he tames down his parentes and and, and lace monitors and he, he has a, a giant male printy that he brings to shows and you know you can hold it and things like that he's um he's a bit of a guru at it 
whereas uh, I, I give it. A, I I try. I just uh, I just don't have the time to to get her out constantly and 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 work on that. You know, she's out a lot of the time. She walks around the room and does her own thing. But in terms of like uh, hands on holding her to try and tame her down, um, I don't really spend a lot of time on that. But I also don't really, um, you know, like I I don't. I kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like if I wanted something to sit on my shoulder, I would have got a parrot. It just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Carrying carrying reptiles around and cuddling and, and stuff, it's not really my, I don't know. It, I, 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 I think you, I think in order to get that, you've got to take something away, you know? So I think you take a little bit of that, that wildness or the little bit of the, the ex, you know, the, the excitement out of the animal when you, when you, tame it down or, or you know a lot of people are breaking the spirit of the animal whereas you know i kind of like her to be a little bit wild i like her to keep me on my toes a little bit um that's more interesting to me it's more interesting to me to see her what what as close to what she would be like in the wild but in my house rather than you know like i, I don't think that you can i don't think you can get that predator instinct and get her to chase down yabbies and, and swim around the tank and 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 get that sort of killer instinct that that we all love about monitors. Mm. If I was to feed her chicken strips in a bowl, yeah, you know what I mean. I just don't think you can have both. I um I, I tell people that all the time. Um, like when I'm talking about snakes and lizards, like they're not they're not a dog. You can't or a cat. You can't like cuddle up next. They're not a pet that you can cuddle up with and stuff. That being said, I am the type of guy that I do like uh, reptiles that I can handle. I'm a, I am a handleable type of guy. But um, but yeah, I, I'm with you on that too. I also do like to see strong feeding behaviors and, and stuff. And I never thought of it that way of like you're taking something away. So that's pretty interesting. Um, I, but, think you, I think you have both. Like I don't really – I look around in here and I don't really have anything that like – you know, I've got a lot of kids in my street and the kids yeah. love – here and, and seeing the animals but i don't really have anything that they can hold um because i just i don't know i guess um I, I had better dragons and stuff like that back in new zealand but but when i you know i was obviously a lot younger and, and now coming coming to australia when i when i got back into reptiles over here i kind of skipped all the uh, uh a lot of the beginner sort of you know animals in a way like a lot of people that like a lot of people who i guess are at my stage in, in in keeping is is they've still got the bearded dragon that they got first and it's like 12 years old or something <laughs> you know what i mean or the blue yeah. skink that's their first, or their first children's python or something and they're still still kicking along and then that's their handleable animal whereas i i haven't there's not a single animal in here that i've picked because i i wanted to be able to handle it i kind of um, went the opposite yeah. way I kind of went the opposite way. As a kid, I would always go out and catch as many wild stuff as I could. I keep them for like maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. Just I just liked observing them and watching them, and I didn't handle them at all or anything. I just like watching them, and I'd let them go, catch another one and stuff. And I still do that from time to time. But now I've I've I ne I never actually like kept kept anything. I would just catch wild stuff and, and then let them go again. Until my, now, recently, I've been catching stuff, and I like more handling them and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I, I have a tegu now, and I love like kind of like interacting with him and stuff it's a lot of fun and he has a, he has a really strong feeding behavior which is fun to watch and stuff too but i kind of went the opposite direction with that yeah yeah look it's it's like it's it's cool like i have i definitely have things that are a, a little bit more, more chill, i guess because i've never really 
tried to steer anything in that sort of direction. Um, you know, my, my olive pythons are, are around three meters or so, and, and they've always been pretty relaxed. Um, you know, when I, when I've got them out, they, um, they, uh, have, you know, well, I say that, but it's, it's just funny because I've had them for three years or something and, and I pulled one out around two weeks ago, uh, the male and he tagged me on the wrist first time ever full feed response bite blood everywhere. Um, I had people over it was quite funny. And then the week later I got the female out and same thing. She got me on the, on the knuckle, on the hand, blood everywhere. And, and now I'm looking at them both like, all right, is this, is this, is this us now? Like every time I get you out, I've got to worry about being bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, like I just, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I've got nothing in here that's dangerous. Um, there's a few things in here like doc, if she really tried, she could do a little bit of damage, but I mean, getting bit and scratched and all of that's, you know, all sort of part of reptile keeping if you're a, a non-venomous keeper part of yeah. the fun mm -hmm. yeah i mean i've heard someone say that if you do keep monitors it's just it's not an if it's a when you're going to get you know like a scratch or some sort of scar basically 100 percent. um like i've 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 got a friend who um got tagged by a very large olive uh, on the thigh and it wasn't so much the bite that got him it was the fact that um it it pinned his arm to his leg so so like it, as it called his leg, it pinned his arm. So not only was he bit, bit on the thigh, but he only had one arm to try and get it off when he was at home alone. So I think that's where the real danger is, is like, I think when you're getting like very large snakes, you really need to um, make sure you've got people around when you're, when you're handling them. I think that's where the danger really comes. Um, I mean, if you've ever seen like a, like a, you know, like a, a three meter snake bite compared to a chihuahua bite, I would much rather get bit by a snake than a chihuahua. Yeah, that's absolutely. True. Yeah. Horrific little things. <laughs> <laughs> little monsters. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so but yeah. That, yeah, but uh, me and Matt both had a professor when we were in college, and he told us a story when he was uh, doing a reptile presentation for a bunch of kids. He had this really big green anaconda out, then all of a sudden, like, bit on his arm and wrapped around him, yeah. wrapped around his arm. And I was like middle of January up here, so you know there's snow everywhere. So he just ran outside to and shoved him in the middle of a snowbank, trying to get him cold to get him let go. Yeah, <laughs> it's like ten minutes later, the thing hadn't even loosened up a bit. Yeah, yeah. I have like a little bottle of um, isopropyl that I keep in here to to clean glass and 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 things like that, and just a little squirt, little little squirt, normally makes something go pretty quick. But it's it's one of those things like when you when you I think when you first starting to keep snakes like you get bit a lot when they're young and you know like you still jump like sometimes i still jump when they you know when you get that really strong feed response but i think after a while you, you stop even flinching like you just get bit and you just don't even don't even half flinch the time it, half the time it like it's done before you even realize what happened <laughs> yeah 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 I, I i almost tell like new snake keepers that as well they're like, oh, you know, well, people come in the room. They're like, oh, is it going to bite me? And I'm just like, look, just get bit. Just, just <laughs> while your snake's young, just get bit. And then, and then, and then your, your, you know, the fear leaves you. Like, it's more of a fright than anything. And once you realize that, like, you're not going to die, it's <laughs> like a second of a little bit of pain and then it's over, you know, like, people build it up high in their head. 
as if it's going to be like this really horrific experience and, and generally it's not obviously yeah. if you've got very large animals and very large snakes and, you know, i'm talking about little stuff but yeah honestly a paper cut is probably worse yeah probably yeah, yeah. there's well, um saying that, in saying that um there was a guy here um who got hit by a carpet python in the hand during a relocation and it tore his hand clean up and had to get full-blown surgery mm. so i mean hey like <laughs> no one's no one's advising you to get bit really but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one one thing I don't want to get bit by would be uh uh emerald tree boa because those things oh, yeah. have yeah scrubs yeah. scrubs as well the big um the big Australian uh scrubs are pretty ruthless as well yeah that being, said, I do, that being said I do actually have a few scrubs of my own so yeah I'd love to keep a scrub I just um I just I just can't see the end game you know like I can't see the end game in this house. I know a few people that keep them, but I just in, in this house that I'm currently in, I just don't have the the space and they get very large very, very quick. Yeah. Well, I have smaller localities than uh Australian ones, so yeah. Fingers crossed I won't have to be dealing with a fifteen foot snake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys we are very lucky to keep so much uh so many different things and like we, we have I love I love the selection of Australian animals that we get to keep over here and Obviously, like being from New Zealand, they're all exotic to me, really. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just a shame that our rules are so stupid, and and that even state to state, you can't keep the same the same things. So different states have different rules and That's different requirements, and yeah, even moving animals from state to state can be a pain in the ass. Yeah. What? Um, one one thing I've always been interested in learning about is uh. The Australian herpeticulture, like, uh, what be like some of the more commonly kept uh, species down there? Um, so, like, yeah, obviously, your, your staple things like shinglebacks and blue tongues and and um, shinglebacks, blue tongues, and uh, things like children's pythons and bearded dragons, obviously, are very, very popular um, with kids. Um, blue tongues are obviously like because of the morphs now like if you're into that um, blue tongues are just making a big big move um um you know which is great like they're, they're, what they're able to produce is they're producing some some stunning morphs and colors if, if that's what you're into um i've never really been able to like i love this is what i was talking about before like with the murdens you know like the um about you sort of got to break something in them to get them to that sort of tame and, and I love seeing blue tongues outside. Like if you see a blue tongue in the garden and it's flaring up and the tongue's out and trying to defend itself, like that, that's cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that, I think that's great. But blue tongues in captivity, they're kind of just like slugs to me. Like I just don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I don't, I don't get why. I, I understand if you, you're, you know, if you were a kid and you got one and it's your first, like that makes sense. But to be like, you know, I'm. 33 like for me to go out and get a blue tongue i just don't i don't get it i don't i don't understand and that's not to say that they're not great animals i just prefer seeing them in the in the wild i think um, frillies are a little bit like that too you know when you see frillies outside and they're flaring up and um whereas if you keep them in, in captivity like they they very rarely um ever flare the irony with that is i feel like and I could be wrong on this, but I feel like a lot of people get the frills to see it frill up. You know, oh, 100%. Yeah. 
100%. Yeah, which can cause problems because, like, you know, if they if it doesn't, then they might like get rid of it, or they might like pester it till it does it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It stresses it stresses them out. Right. And then, exactly. and, then, and then you know what you I think that the downside is, and and like I think I think frillies are, are amazing if you can keep them in a giant enclosure, but the majority of people are keeping them in quite small enclosures with a couple of upright branches, and essentially you just get a you know like a pet stick that sits on a branch all the time and doesn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. And again, that's not to say that they're not great animals to keep. Like, I'm not trying to say that if you keep one, that you should get rid of it. Just personally, I don't see the, I don't see the the draw. Yeah, I did, there was this guy. I heard the story of this guy who had a uh, forest cobra, I think it was, and he wanted it to hood for his friend, so he flicked it in the nose, and of co- of course gets bit. And but it was illegal to have where he was at, so he didn't go to the doctor he ended up like cutting his own finger off with like a pair of loppers and stuff it was a whole thing i was like what an idiot (laughs) yeah that's just natural selection at work yeah at all for that sort of stuff (laughs) (laughs) so um, I'm curious on your thoughts. So we kind of had a similar conversation with some other guests with snakes because snakes, um, a lot of snakes aren't super territorial. They can they can be in smaller spaces and stuff. Yeah. With monitors, what are your thoughts on? Especially like mertens are, you know, they're not they're not huge or anything, but they're sizable and stuff. What are your thoughts on like enclosure size compared to like you know with it being larger, you know, just space-wise, like what it needs, like, are they, do they need a lot of space? Are they super territorial? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think that, I think that all animals, no matter, all reptiles should have the biggest enclosure you can possibly give them, no matter, no matter what they are. Like even, um, like my, my crevice skinks, they're in a four by two by two and they use all of it. You know, I could put them in a, in an eight by eight and I think they would use, use all of it um i don't subscribe to the my snake likes a small space so i can keep it in a tub i think that you can put that tub or create a small space in a very large enclosure and when you're not in the room or it's at night time it can go and cruise around and you know if i think I, I just think if your snake likes being in a small space it probably just doesn't like you <laughs> we we I actually it just that was it the wants, one it wants a big space. It doesn't want to be in a big space when you're around. That was the thing that we kind of talked about is how they like when they're in like a hide thing, they like to be kind of scrunched up in a small area, but yeah. they still want that larger space. I used the example of my ball python. I had him in a smaller container, but I, I just I didn't he he was in that small he was and he had a small hide for him and stuff, but I didn't like that he was in a smaller container, but I wasn't sure what exactly to put him in and stuff. So I ended up putting them on my porch is completely screened in and I ended up putting them on the porch. Mm. And at night I watch him. He is all over the place, just crawls all yeah. over the place and stuff. And then, but yeah. And then during the day he's just scrunched up in a little corner and there's a little hide. And then, yeah, at night, I mean, he uses the whole thing. It's huge. And I, I didn't expect that, but yeah, he's all over the place. It's pretty neat. I, mean, I think, think of it like this, like, like how many people do you know that won't sleep with their toes hanging out at the end of the bed? You know, like, why, if you're a snake, why would you not want to be all filled up? Yeah. Like, you know, or, or safe. Like, you know, if you had three meter long legs, you'd probably want to know where your toes are all the time as well. So, 
<laughs> like, like it just it's silly like it's yeah it's your snake likes sleeping bunched up because it feels safe it likes touching all four walls or all the walls of where it is because it knows you know where it is and knows that nothing's gonna you know stick its nose in the hole and and and, and bite it and it knows that it's not gonna you know it might take an injury but not be not be dragged out you know, like i've just um um moved my olives into into eight foots they're eight by two by three and they're sitting probably just on the three meter mark so they've got quite a bit more to go i think three meters is like nine nine foot something like that maybe just a little like under or a little over and um um you know they they're all the time they're, they're stretched out in there from one end to the other you know during the day basking and and, and and laying out and then when they sleep they sleep in, in like this tiny little rock all all curled up and they can they can hit all sides so i think i think tubs and things like that definitely work for things when they're young um but if you want to have like this argument where you know oh they do better in small spaces then i just think put put that tub in a big enclosure so during the day or whenever it wants to feel safe it can go in the tub and whenever it wants to go for an explore outside it can it can that's that's the way i i think like and at a bare minimum right you you've got you guys have got like large snake tubs over there that you can buy and people keep retics in these giant drawers so at the very least how about how about don't keep retics and berms in giant drawers and those giant drawers used for ball pythons mm, yeah. yeah yeah definitely you know what I mean? um we have one guest on uh tom crushfield he and he just went off on how much he d despises people who keep retics and tubs like <laughs> yeah he lives down in south florida so he has you know built these big outdoor enclosures that he literally has like 17 foot long scrub uh retics moving around in and they do just fine so and you know yeah, it can be it can be deceiving too because berms and retics um they're they're not like the most active snake in the world so it can be deceiving you would think like okay it's just gonna sit there right um but but i mean it's like the ball python like once i put it on the porch and he had all that space i mean he just went all over the place and stuff and it's probably the same thing with the retics and the berms that they're probably yeah, just gonna well, be able well, to... retics are um are, are like pretty arboreal though and over in like thailand and stuff they're up in the caves eating bats and you know yeah. they're 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 very adapted for, for climbing and they're they're in the water and 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 all sorts you know um yeah retics so, are yeah i don't know i think i mean it's it's it, it is what it is you know like if you put a if you put a a 12 foot berm in a, in a box a small box and then say oh well all it does is sit in the corner it's not very active <laughs> yeah. like you know like what are you what are you expecting put it in a football field. yeah yeah um i don't know it's yeah, just it's rough, i've got no oh, issues with like the tub the tub Go debate ahead. is obviously one that you know, goes on and on and on and and i'm not really against i'm not necessarily against people keeping in tubs if they're breeding and things like that because I, I understand that it serves a a purpose for those people to keep a lot of animals in a very small amount of space like i i get it and i get why people want to do that i just I struggle like I, I just think that if you're gonna do that you should just admit that that's what you're doing and and don't tell people when you're selling those animals that this is the standard of care that you should 
that you should mm. get because I think there's a big problem where people are like, oh yeah, you know, like especially with the ball python market because there's the, you know, the clown lesser pied, yeah, you know, yeah. muffin whatever the hell it is, and you pay five grand for it or something, and then people go out and buy like a twenty dollar underbed roller storage box and they can keep seven of them under a double bed so it's like like i just i just don't think that that's really what we should be promoting you know like yeah, like, like I, I really like i really like reef like the reef keeping hobby where it's like it spend thirty thousand dollars on a tank and put a 70 dollar fish in it that's <laughs> i like that i really like that that i think is the proper way of of looking at it you know like like to, to just have a five thousand dollar animal and just slam it in a drawer, yeah. Just I, I, I don't I don't get it. Doesn't doesn't do it for me. I just don't think that we should be promoting that. I was uh, yeah, I know. I like I got my ball python for free. Like someone gave it to me. Actually, most of this stuff I own. Someone gave it to me. I I've, I've bought like two things in my entire life. Um, I either catch them or someone gives them to me. But um, but yeah, I mean like some people will pay astronomical numbers for all these complicated whatever morphs and stuff and they just shove it in a drawer they don't really pay attention to it but like i got mine for free and um like i'm always trying to figure out like what how i can like better what it's i don't know like it's like the kids whose parents gave them a cell phone instead of buying it themselves they're gonna <laughs> they're not gonna treat it as right except i guess it's the opposite of that but <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. But I just think that, like, a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of the big breeders and stuff are, 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 should be responsible, do you know what I mean? It's not really, like, it's very easy to go on Instagram and if you're if you're 12 and, you, and you've and you got this pied ball python because it looks amazing and I, I don't know how much a pied ball python costs, but I think they look really cool. And then you, you, you know, you're 12 and you, you really want your – your ball python and your mum says oh, okay you can have one but you got to do your research so you type in ball python on 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 instagram and what do you see what's the first thing you're going to see is ball pythons in, in tubs and you think oh well this guy who has a hundred thousand followers keeps his in tubs he this is this is what you do so like they, the new keepers i just don't think really stand a chance um it's not really their fault the the sad thing too is we kind of mentioned this too is like Petco and PetSmart and stuff like I don't know if you have those in Australia or not but um, but they yeah, yeah. they sell um, there you'll you'll see them like if someone's buying a reptile from Petco or PetSmart they're a beginner you know they're they're not someone who's and they're selling you'll see them those like I walked into one the other day and they were selling a mangrove monitor. I was like, no one that's buying a reptile at Petco should be buying a mangrove monitor. Like that is not. Yeah. It's not the spot. Yeah. 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 Like my DMs, my DMs are full of people asking like, oh, how do I know I'm ready to get a Merton's or, uh, you know, and I'm like, okay, have you, have you, have you finished college? Have you traveled the world? Have you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you own your car? Um, you know, like, like that's when you buy emergence because otherwise like if you're at college like what happens to the animal in two years or something you know like or, or just the cost is the cost is just you know astronomical um especially when you're getting up like think things are 
things are much cheaper in the states in terms of like hardware supplies and things like that but like um the the two glass doors on docks enclosure that i mentioned before they're like 400 dollars each jeez yeah you know just because of the size of the glass and it's it's six mil and it's it's tempered you know so you know what if one broke <laughs> you know if i smashed one you know that's 400 dollars. i've got to i've got to just outlay just like that yeah, um, yeah. and I, i'm lucky that i'm in a position now that i can do that you know and i i i factor that in um but i just yeah i just think that you know there's a lot of people out there that are don't really realize the cumulative cost of all these of all the things that are, are required you know like it's not a small tank so like that filter if the filter goes that's eight hundred dollars nine hundred dollars or something to 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 replace do you know what i mean like and you can do it for less but i don't know if it's going to be as you know as as good and i think you should always just be aiming to keep animals like it's like it's like anything you know like if you're if you're if, how many people do you know that are financing like a twenty thousand dollar car, you know, and they and they they can make payments? But then, how do you know people that are financing seventy thousand dollar cars and they're 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 struggling to make the payments and and all of that? So like, yeah. get get something that you can afford. You know, like it's not cool to have something that you can't afford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh... you know, I don't mean afford as in like I don't mean afford afford as in like um know you're too poor to keep this i mean afford is in like like manage you know what i mean just yeah, right. keep. yeah i know, uh, like, i've always asian water monitors are one of my favorites um i've always wanted to keep one but yeah i mean it's the same it's the exact same thing that you're talking about like there's so much and it's not and it's not even like like you're saying it's not even just like the the money aspect that goes into it but it's also the time like yeah like sure. uh, monitors in general are just something you kind of have to spend a lot of time with and stuff and and kind of like how you're saying with the handleability of the mertens and stuff like that's a whole lot more time that you have to spend with it too and stuff and yeah, like exactly. and so i've been waiting till i have like until i'm like completely settled like because I, I i really want to travel the world and stuff too and i know i can't do that with a with a asian water monitor and stuff so like i've been waiting until like everything's like settled i'm where i'm at and everything that can get this uh this lizard and stuff but yeah i mean it's exactly what you're saying so it's just it's yeah, a lot of people the right the to commitment. i think that's the right way to go you know like um my, my mother has supported me my whole life in my my reptile hobby and dragged me around zoos as a child and you know like she's an amazing woman she's she's stood and watched the crocodile for hours until it blinked just so we could prove that it was real you know <laughs> Like seriously, all over the world we've done this. And and if I was like in my early twenties, just as I was going traveling, like I wouldn't leave Doc with her. Like how unfair is that? Or just yeah. you know, like if people are just like, Oh yeah, I'm ready to live my life now. I'm gonna skip town and leave my, my animals with my family. Like they don't want they don't want olive pythons in their in their you know, they're <laughs> happy to have them because I'm after them, not you know, they don't want to be lumped with all this stuff. And I just think that's unfair on the animal and yeah, I just I think I think when you're keeping larger, especially larger animals that maybe aren't or more more obscure animals or rarer animals or more like animals that are more uh, difficult to take difficult to take care of, you should really get some of your life out of the way first before you before you sort of get into it. You know, I just think that's better for the animal, better for you. It's like what they say about marriage. You know, 
Travel the world yeah. first, then get married, because you won't do it after you get married. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Or, or it's not even that. It's like it's the same thing. Same thing. Like, like don't buy a house until you're married, because you know your wife yeah. might not might not like the house that you've bought. You know, or you might get yeah. you might get um, you know, like when I traveled, I like to go to all the the sort of obscure places and see everything from the ground level. Like I don't like like um. I don't like staying in hotels and things like that because I, you know, I have a good job. I pay for nice sheets. I, you know, if I want to stay in a hotel bed, I just stay in my own bed. So when I go overseas, I like staying in, you know, shitty places that 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 don't cost a lot because I like to be at the ground level. Whereas, like, if you're traveling with your wife, she's probably not going to be that into that, you know. So you try and get, <laughs> you, know, you might might not want to go to the same places and do the same things and, yeah, you know. Go, go to the same jungles that you want to go to. So get, you know, get a, get a little bit of your life out of the way first before you make big commitments. And I think that animals like Asian water monitors and murdens and even olive pythons, you know, they are they are big commitments, and they should be should be looked at it that way. You know, like, um, yeah, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, we've got a, a puppy and and. You know, like it's it's like having a kid. Yeah, Might as well absolutely. just <laughs> I've got no kids, but you know, we're sort of at that stage and we're thinking about it. You know, and and we're like, oh, you know, well, we wanted to get a puppy and we wanted to get a puppy before we had a kid. And I just think, man, we should have just got a kid. It would have been like the same amount of work. Yeah, she's like a she's a seven month old thirty kilo missile at the moment. <laughs> That's what I, I tell people. I was like, I tell people all the time. I was like, I like dogs, but dogs are. A, I was like, I've always kind of wanted a dog, but they're a big time commitment. And I've also also really like an Asian water monitor, and I don't think I like dogs enough to have both. <laughs> yeah. So I would prefer yeah. to have. If I get one, I'd prefer to have a water monitor than a dog. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I, you know, I might, I'll, if you, if you can't, if you come to my house, obviously, I've got my my reptile room is all set up. I've got a garage um, where I have my, you know, my workshop where I build all my enclosures, and I have like a carport which is just full of shit to build enclosures. But, like, if you were to come to my house you wouldn't know that I kept reptiles. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I kind of like having them very separate and as much time as I spend doing reptile stuff, when I close the door, it's gone. You, you mm, know what I mean? Okay. Like, I, don't have, yeah, yeah. like I, have, I have some artwork and stuff up around in the house of, of reptile related things, but, but yeah, I think, I think that's what, what's so great about reptiles is versus like a, like a dog or something is that like, not, I don't have frogs anymore. So nothing in here makes any noise. Um, and, and essentially like, you know, I close the door and it's almost out of my life for a small period of time. Whereas the dog is constant. You know, every decision you make involves the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every decision. Oh, I want to go to the supermarket. Oh, what mood is the dog in right now? If I leave the dog at home, am I going to have a house to come back to? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah we can't nip out for anything anymore like for for the first couple of weeks i was literally coming home from work and then searching around the house for what she had destroyed you know and it'd be like the first hour of every day was 
um, her name's Cleo. So we've been Cleo proofing like everything. I, I've built, I built so many gates around my house just to stop her from getting into places, you know, like it's mad. That, Dogs so much more. That is the nice thing about reptiles is any kind of damage is at least contained to whatever their enclosure is. <laughs> it's not the entire house. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested. Like obviously, um, you know, uh, Doc's, Doc's tank is, um, I think you call it, I think you say 180 gallons. I think it's 660 liters, I think. And I know one day all of that's going to end up on the ground. Like one day it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's unavoidable. Yeah. One, one day it's all going to end up on the floor. So I'm interested to see how I'm going to deal with that when that time comes. It's like my worst nightmare. Yeah, um, that professor, me and Matt had, he has a, a reptile collection that he keeps at the university. And he said for the longest time, we're not getting anything that's aquatic or semi-aquatic because we don't have a storm drain. It'd just be too much of a pain changing water out and stuff like that. And then yeah. it, they just got a pair of uh, African dwarf crocs, so. <laughs> yeah, water just makes everything so, so complicated, but it also makes everything like so much more interesting as well. Like, um, you know, my, my common tree snake is, is another animal that's, that's so awesome. You know, like they swim, they, they're found often by water. I've got like a little water area in there and it's bioactive and, you know, they're almost like, like the Murdens in a lot of ways where they're, where they're, they're anywhere from the trees to the, to the bottom of the water, you know? Um, yeah. Even my um, olives have, I've got ponds in my olive, olive enclosures now and they, um, they're always swimming around and head under the water and you know it's, it makes it so much more um makes enclosure so much more dynamic when there's water but in saying that not everything requires water like you know like people put these water areas and fountains in their bearded dragon enclosures and stuff like that it's just not it's just not necessary you know you really got to be thinking about what the animal requires and, and needs not what you want to see so i know this is kind of a more of a controversial question, but um, what are your thoughts on like cohabitation and stuff? I know a lot, everyone has a different opinion on that, but. Um, I'm not, I'm not against it. I just think that like, you, you know, you're going to have, My... at some point you're going to have problems. It's not an if it's a when. Yeah. Um, I think that you can get away with it in, in size like a lot of people are keeping things like um, uh, blue tongue, uh, sorry, um, like voids and rainforest, like uh, voids and angle-headed dragons, sorry, um, with things like pink tongues and, and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of people keep them with um, with a lot of gecko species because the, the dragons are awake during the day and the geckos are obviously active during the night. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think there are sort of relationships between animals that can work but I think you need size. I think so many problems in our hobby would be solved by size when it mm. comes to enclosures. Um, a lot of things, a lot of things like heat gradients and, and getting your plants to grow. And, and, you know, like I set up a lot of my bioactive stuff, like stuff that needs heat, but I also want plants. I just make the enclosure really long so that you can pump mm. heat at one end and keep all the plants down the other end. It's just a little bit of design. So if you put heat lamps over plants, you just cook them. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. You know, Part of the I, reason I think I it's have... possible. Yeah. Part of the, I well, I, I think too. Like, I think most people want to do that because they want to have kind of that like, uh, I don't know, like rainforest look where you have the whole like a paludarium like where you have the whole like the fish like the whole like thing there and stuff but um at the same time too i'm thinking if you really want to keep these things and you really like want to keep them it's probably better just to keep them separate anyway but yeah i don't think there's the reason i asked though is because um so i told you i put my ball python on my patio well i i actually recently put him in a cage i got a cage that was um, bigger and stuff and i put him in the cage and i did that because i wanted to put my tegu on the patio because he was getting mm-hmm. bigger and stuff so i wanted to have him have that larger space um but one day uh a storm blew and blew my kayak it it uh felt it, i didn't strap it in like i thought i had and it fell and uh broke the cage i had the ball python in and he can't, got out mm-hmm. and so i came home and the tegu and the ball python are kind of like hanging out like they're doing their thing but they're like right next to each other and they didn't seem to bother each other i thought that was really crazy and they just kind of like walked around the tegu like turned around and his tail like kind of hit the ball python's head but the ball python didn't mind at all it just kept and they just kind of did their thing i thought that was really bizarre and it kind of blew my mind because i thought that would have been an issue but they were like perfectly fine together. It really kind of surprised me. So, yeah, but it wasn't an issue on that day. On that day, yeah, I, I eventually separated them, but I thought that was really cool. That <laughs> I just, yeah, I, think, I mean, I think um, there's a few a few things like that have popped up recently where like um, where like uh, animals have escaped in a room or something, and they find them huddling, you know, in the same corner of the room or or, or whatever. But I don't necessarily think that that's um them like hanging out as such i think that you know a lot of reptiles want the same thing and if you're finding them in the same corner of the room you're probably so worried about surviving than they are about food or defending themselves do you know what i mean like like during the during the bushfires that we had in australia two years ago they found a lot of animals in the same like a lot of prey and predator species um seeking cover in the same holes um I just think that I think that nature, you know, nature finds a way. You know what I mean? And and I think that animals are a little bit more clued on than what what we think. I think that in their time of panic and when they when they're fighting for their lives, they 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 know what's important, and what's important for them is shelter rather than than eating each other at that at that sort of time. So you can find a lot of images of that actually over the, the bushfires that we had here. Um. But I think, look, I think it's possible. Like I said, I think in big enclosures, um, you can have things like, you know, species that occupy different, you know, different different levels of the canopy or different, you know, things that are more sort of um, on the ground and then and things that are in the trees. You know, the, the angleheads generally stay up pretty high unless it's, unless um, they come down to drink. So the Miss King system, for, for instance, comes on and then like all the, the leaf litter on the ground collects a lot of the water and then they'll come down to drink or they'll come down to feed, but otherwise they stay up in the trees. So if you had like a small or like, well, I can't say small, but a skink species that just stays on the ground, I think cohabbing can um, definitely work, but you, you, you just have to be prepared to take the loss. You know, at some point something's going to eat something else. And 
like my like even keeping fish with doc that's co-having you know she's been fine with him for for so long and then all of a sudden she just decided that today was the day and she 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 knew like five hundred dollars worth of rainbows or something <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly like, yeah i was like if i'm gonna at the beginning i was like look i'm gonna if i'm gonna keep fish i'm gonna keep the fish that i want so i went and got nice fish and i chucked them in there and i just made it that if she was gonna eat them she was gonna eat them and she just never ate them so i thought okay well we're good you know like leave them in there and they've been in there for so long and then now she's just just smashed all of them so like yeah. well, you know what do you what do you do and turtles are the same turtle you can keep fish with turtles for a period of time yeah. until they realize that they can catch them and then they're all gone they just they just annihilate them <laughs> yeah. but yeah like it's, again it's size you know people keep um you know, a reptile park down the like so i live down the road from the australian reptile park and i know that they cohab um shinglebacks and frilled lizards um they cohab um they have these pits where they cohab um shinglebacks louise they even have um tiger snakes and red bellies in with louise and 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 some other things um there's like the wild water dragons are, are everywhere so every enclosure has water dragons in it um you know and i think that for the most part they do fine as long as everything's well fed and you've got enough space but i think space is the key you know if you've got something that's the size of a room then then yeah they, they'll do, do okay but if you're trying to keep them in a you know four by two by two then, then probably not and, um you know like yeah. this I, the other question i got is can you keep like would i ever keep turtles with my murdens and and there was a period of time where i i, I was considering it but it's just not enough just not enough space and then i just think why so the murdens is going to be you know turtles bite they just bite everything anything that's hanging um and that's not worth the risk and i don't want my murders to be afraid to go in the water and and then if my turtle's out basking the murders just going to bowl it over every time so what's the point like i like mm -hmm. who wins who who wins in this like it's more work for me and more effort and and then you know you're making the, the environment less habitable for both animals that was that was like the point that i was trying to make is like i feel like at a certain point, like just if you really if you really want to have those animals, just like it's 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 easier just to keep them separate. Like, like yeah. there's almost no point in having them. For sure, and I, but I also think that there's this drive um, in the hobby to constantly get more animals, and I think everybody goes through it. Um, I'm sort of on the other side of it now. I think I think everybody sort of does it. Some people do it to different extremes, um, and I think that. You know, keeping reptiles is expensive, but the cost of reptiles, it's quite apparent, doesn't seem to outweigh the drive to get more. Um, and I think a lot of people go, okay, well, I've got this tank, you know, and I've got this one animal in it. What's another animal that can live in a tank? And then they just think, okay, we're going to keep both. You know, or can I keep both? You know, like, um, and I think that's where it comes from. They just want to save money or save space, but have two, two animals. I think that's a big, a big part of it. And then, yeah, I think, I think if, you, if you really desire to have more animals, you should invest the money to, 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 to have both enclosures or just don't do it. 
Yeah, I think it's that in the the push in the hobby right now for everything to be naturalistic and bioactive. And I think some people think it's more naturalistic to have all these things kind of living together. But I just, I honestly just had the same conversation with my friend because when I was a kid, like you said, everyone goes through that phase where you just want, when I was a kid, like I remember I made a list of all the reptiles I wanted to get that I wanted to own. It was like two pages long of like every single, like exotic, like Komodo dragons on there, <laughs> like every, yeah, every yeah. single thing. And, um, and, you know, I, I'm not like that now. I'm more selective. But my friend, I got him kind of into the, the reptile keeping hobby. Now, he's more of a frog guy. But, you know, and he's now is like has his wide, eyes wide open. He wants every single like frog he sees to keep as a pet. So I'm telling him, it's like, yeah, man, I just had that same conversation. I was like, dude, I was there before. <laughs> it's like eventually you're going to get to the point where you're going to want to narrow all this stuff down. But I, I feel you. Yeah, it's, it's good to see the excitement. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that though, like what I what I'm sort of like my my collection is not extreme by 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 any means. Um, you know, I've got quite a few animals, but I only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've only got ten enclosures total. Um, and well, that are actually housing something. Um, and it's like. When you when you have to replace things like um, UV bulbs and, and stuff like that, you know it becomes a, a, a big cost. You know to do that for ten enclosures, like I think, like if you can get UV bulbs in a bulk deal, they're like fifty dollars each or something over here. Yeah, you know you do ten enclosures, that's five hundred bucks in one go. You're generally replacing them all at the sort of same time. But on that same vein, what I find is actually not. Um, not so much the upkeep of the animal is the issue, but when you have sort of naturalistic or bioactive enclosures where you're going for a certain look or you've got water features and, and different things that's going on in all of them, like what I'm finding right now and what I'm suffering from is that like every enclosure kind of has something wrong with it, mm -hmm. you know, like just something maybe not working just quite right or like the pipes need to be flushed or, um, you're just you know a plant is not doing so well or, or this that and the other the actual enclosures themselves are like in terms of construction are all are all sound but something inside it maybe just not quite operating to its full you know level and and just the like i have a big list on my door with like 16 items of just things i've got to fix or repair or or or, or look at you know and that's where i struggle because because i try and keep everything to a high standard and 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 I, I look around and there's always something like as much as I love being in this room, it's not really a relaxing place. There's always <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, you know. yeah, same thing with my reptile room. I, I just walk in and I just look around and go like, okay, that's something that needs fixing up. Yeah, that's, that's another core right there. That's another job. Yeah, but I love it. You know, like I, I've got, I don't know. I don't know what I've got. I don't, know, I don't know if it's ADD or something, but I always have to be moving. I can't, I don't like, um, I always have to be busy. I'm not a, I'm not like a Netflix person. I can't just sit like I can sit and watch TV, but I have to be designing enclosures or, or, or something yeah. on my iPad. Like I'm always doing multiple things at once. You'll never catch me just doing the one thing. Um, and it's like, yeah, I come down here and, and it is like, it is relaxing in a way because I like, being around all the animals and watching what they do, but there's just a list of things to do. It's just endless. It never, it, it never, ever, ever ends. And and when I do find myself with everything like fine and in order, 
that's when I start looking at enclosures and going, oh, okay, I can make that better. And then, and then we start just building a whole new enclosure from scratch and trying to fix like a certain thing or go for a bit of a different look. And um, yeah. And, and honestly, that's how I, that's how I, I pick my animals. Like you were talking about making giant lists of, of animals that you wanted. And, and yeah. I narrow mine down by, by basically looking at an animal I can see in the hobby and, and how it's been kept or, or I get an idea or I read something like quite often I just read like a paragraph about an animal and it sort of piques my, my interest a little bit as to like, how could I recreate that? And then yeah. I think, I, so, and, or I think about an enclosure or an idea of how I'm going to do something. And then I try and find a, a, a reptile that's going to suit. Cause I think that, um, I think a big problem with, with a lot of things like, like turtles, for instance, like you'll see this too. I'm, I'm sure on Craigslist and stuff like that, how many, how many um, turtles do you see like cheap or free to a good home and there's two massive turtles in a tiny tank with like mm. colored little bait plants and like one of those floating turtle docks? Yeah, yeah. My son lost interest. Yeah. Like, what do you fucking expect? Like you've got two turtles just flopping around in the water with nothing to do. You know, like, like you, you, your turtles lost interest a long time ago. You know, your son's just catching up. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like the enclosure makes the difference. You can put a boring Absolutely. looking, you can put a brown or a boring looking species in an enclosure that it can use or an enclosure that's specifically designed for them to bring out their, like, behaviors. And then the animal becomes interesting because you know like the reason why you 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 know like uh you you got interested in that animal in the first place is because of its patterning or because of its like pictures you see of it in the wild doing what it does or story you hear stories or read things about what the animal is meant to be doing and then you create this environment and you see the animal doing that in your own home that's the that's why i do it I mean, that's, that's what gets me going. It goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of how you like to see, and I think anyone who's a good reptile keeper has this to, like it varies in degrees, but it goes back to what you're saying of um, wanting to see that, that the like how they act in the wild, wanting to see their behaviors and stuff. Like I think every good reptile keeper likes to see the, the thing interact and stuff. And I think even beginners that like the sun lost interest like it's the same thing like if it's not if you're not seeing it like interacted the way it would in the wild and it's just like you said like just a turtle with some pebbles and a floating dock then yeah it's not gonna yeah it's not gonna I think, do what they want to see you know i think though i think that that's it's the 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 onus on that is all on the parents like like when I was a kid, you know, I'm, I'm, I was a kid that grew up in New Zealand. I didn't, have, I would loved reptiles. Every, I had every book. I had every, every toy, every soft toy, every, every set, like VCR tape on reptiles you could get. I, I had it because I just didn't have the access. Like even at our zoo in, in Auckland where I um, grew up, there was like a couple of reptile species, but like no snakes are allowed in New Zealand. There isn't even any really like exotic, um, uh, there isn't a lot of exotic uh, reptiles in New Zealand. Um, so I just never had the access, but my interest never 
went away. So it's like these, these, these parents that have got these kids that are just so reptile fascinated and they're like, oh, my five-year-old loves reptiles. I want to get him a snake or a bearded dragon. It's like if, if your son or if, you're, if your child is five and really loves reptiles, they're still going to like reptiles when they're 10. So just wait. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, go to that's, the that's... You know, unless, unless, you, unless you yourself are really into reptiles and your son, you want to get like, like for me, like I said, I don't have any better dragons or shinglebacks or blue tongues or any like what would be classed as beginner or like child friendly reptiles. But if I, or if and when I have a child um, and they are showing a bit of an interest and they're sort of five or six, then maybe I would look at getting something like that. But I would look after it. You know, it would be mine. Mm-hmm. It would, you know, like, oh, we're going we're gonna to move it on because the child's, like, lost interest. In it. It's just, it's just yeah. mad. Like, if they're really crazy about it, you, you know, and, and you can wait, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, bit of a different topic, but uh, do you go um, do any herping down there? And uh, if so, like, what? <laughs> uh, Mate, I, am, I am, like... I am, so I'm a big scuba diver and I can, I've got some amazing luck finding crazy stuff in the sea, but I am like reptile repellent when it comes to herping. I just can't, I just <laughs> cannot find anything. Although, although like since, um, when I first moved to Australia, I lived in the city and now I live like about an hour North uh, on the central coast. And, um, like I was, I was saying to you earlier, Nate, like we have a, um, a, a male water dragon that lives in my front yard. It lives in the drain, like in, in my cul-de-sac. Um, I get uh, yellow-bellied three-toed skinks in my backyard. I found a blind snake in my backyard. Um, I get, I have wild um, Sydney leaf-tail geckos in my reptile room. Um, so like, even just, even just moving out of the city, I find so much, so much more. Um, found a few few months ago we found a gosford locality diamond python um at the i think it's called the booty national park and there's even like a um it's like a viewpoint just up the road from me we found a, a common tree snake up there the other day so um we see red bellies at the garden centers like you know when you go for the just to go buy your plants and stuff to do your bike and stuff you find you find red bellies and, and stuff around so a few legless lizards um yeah i don't really put the to be honest, I don't put as much time in as I would like to, but I'm trying to sort of change that. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to, you know, like I said, I, I traveled a lot when I, when I was in my twenties and my desire, especially with COVID and all of that, my desire to, um, leave Australia is a lot sort of less nowadays. Like, um, I always, I, I find it very funny because it's like, you know, like I said, I, I was so travel orientated when I was in my twenties, and now you hear people that are like in lockdown and stuck for COVID, and they're like, "Oh, I just can't wait till COVID's over and and I, so I can go traveling." And it's like you didn't fucking go traveling when there was no COVID. So why, <laughs> why are you all of a sudden some worldly traveler now? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, it's not, it's not COVID that was the problem. It's you. So it's like. <laughs> Um, but nowadays for me, I, I just wanted to spend more of my time sort of seeing more around, um, Australia and getting up to the Northern Territory and seeing Murdens in the wild and trying to get over to the Kimberleys. And I think I'm going to try and invest 
um, a, a bit more a bit more time each year doing that. But but even with COVID and stuff like that, right now it's still hard to get still hard to get in between borders and uh, it's just a, it's just the absolute shambles over here. Like I've I've managed to sort of swerve a lot of the issues um, that have been going on, but it's because I've been very busy and I just stay at home and build enclosures and go to work. That, that's about it. Um, but to like to move into state at the moment, it's it's like they 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 want you to get a rat test so that you can go into state, but you can't buy rat tests anywhere. And they're like, and and now if you can't find a rat test and you try and get a PCR test, they won't let you in without symptoms. It's all it's all just gone to shit. Like they're just they're not managing it in any way. And not that I'm trying to have a COVID run. It's just um, <laughs> it's just easier at the stay at home. So and it's just yeah. avoid it. Don't watch the news and life. It's pretty bloody good, to be honest. <laughs> if, you have, if, if you have a nice reptile room, so <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, near, I'm actually in, I'm actually in um, COVID ISO this week because I was a close contact. Now I oh, don't wow. have COVID, but essentially the rules are I have to stay in my house for seven days and can't leave, um, which is fine for me because <laughs> I've got heaps to do. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> like it just hasn't been a problem at all. Now, yeah. in, in, pandemic, in my... has been, pandemic has been very uh, introvert friendly, extrovert harmful, I guess. <laughs> yeah. In, in my experience, yeah. um, this is what I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed something different. Maybe you disagree, but in my experience, I've noticed that um, there's there's kind of two different people. There's the people, there's like uh, keepers, and then there's people who really like to go herping, and there's some overlap there. But people either really yes. like to herp and keep less, and then or they really like to keep and then herp less and stuff. Um, that's been my experience. I personally am a big. I've never been big in keeping stuff. I, I do because I love reptiles and I love watching them behave. But I've always been, like I said, I always like finding them in the wild. And if I, if I keep them, I'll keep them for like a week or two. I'd like just watching them behave and stuff and then I'll let them go again, or I'll just watch them in the wild. But I've always been a big herper and stuff and not as big of a keeper, although I do keep, but I know a lot of people too, that are huge keepers, keep all sorts of stuff, but like didn't like hardly ever go herping and stuff. And part of that may be just the time aspect too, if they have a lot of stuff too. But anyways, that, that's I what I've noticed. I, I agree. I agree. But I think it's a fairly simple equation. Like if you have access to the animals outdoors, why, why keep them indoors? Also yeah. keeping like, if, you, if that's where your passion lies, then keeping stuff at home just hinders you from, from, from doing your passion. I, I also think that like, if you have access to a lot of, um, a lot of animals in terms of herping or, or you've really got that drive to do it, I just don't think you're ever gonna feel good about that how you can re recreate that, that environment, like in a box, uh, you know, at home. Um, I, I find the same thing. I, I've always been interested in, in reef tanks, but because I scuba dive, like I see a lot of those fish in the wild. So like keeping them in a box doesn't really float my boat. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. I just don't see the see the point I, I just think it's i think that's why you know like but then you, then you've got people like um you know uh matt somerville who who i'm sure you know of and 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 i talk to a lot um he is he's got like an amazing collection of animals at home and yet his partner is um 
has an amazing collection as well and and they both enjoy herping and keeping animals so they can sort of go off at different times because there's always someone there to to look after them um you know so it's just it just depends on everybody's um situation really i i guess yeah. um you know there's people over here that are absolutely absolutely nuts for it you know and 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 COVID has just absolutely destroyed their plans of of where they go because they're normally going out three four times a year but they can't even cross the border to try and get to where they're going so you know um there's like there's a lot of accounts that i i follow on on instagram or, or speak to in person over here and um they're just the, the amount of time they spend out just on on looking for tiny geckos and rock crevices because it's like the last species that they need to take a photo of and you know like i know people that have spent thousands of dollars and hundreds of miles of driving and multiple trips a year to take a photo of one animal in one spot and they still just keep going back you know yeah Absolutely. while that's not for me i got mad respect for that you know i i, <laughs> I, I, I just think that, that would know, you, that would be me uh, i haven't gotten to that point yet but but that would be me because i i i've got to like I've got to see the thing in the wild. Like, that's just the way I am. I, I just, I got to, and like to see it in like a reptile show, like that it's cool, but it's like, okay, that's, that's nothing compared to like, if I saw one in the wild, like that's just, that just blows my mind and stuff. I just find that stuff really neat. And I got to, and I, I'll get obsessive like that. Like there's certain, I live in South Florida. So there's a lot of different exotic species and there's, I, I'm getting obsessive over some of these that I have to like, I've seen, but I want to actually like get and take a picture of and stuff. And uh, I'll get, I'll keep constantly driving really far to try and catch these things and stuff. And so I can see myself yeah. doing that. One of my, one of my biggest regrets is that I never really went or did more herping when I was traveling. Cause like I've been to like all the major herp spots, but just didn't, I wasn't really like, I'm not as, as, as much as I have like a social media presence now through, through the doc Merton page, I don't really like social media. I don't really use it for myself um, personally. So while I was traveling, I wasn't really involved in, in the reptile side of social media and how easy it was to link up with people and how willing people are to sort of take you out in certain areas. And I really wish that I, I had been a part of that while I was traveling. But yeah. like I've been through all, all through all through Central America. Um, I was living in Nicaragua for a little while. I've done the US, Canada, and I've been to all of Southeast Asia, uh, the Philippines and Indonesia, Malaysia, Myanmar. I saw Burmese pythons in, in Myanmar. I have seen a few a few things just by chance while I've been been out and about, but never really did like, never really hunted for that iconic species of a certain area, which I really feel like I, I, I could have and should have at the time. Um, yeah, yeah. I, that is one of my biggest biggest regrets when it comes to to uh, herping and, and and reptiles. But but I did scuba dive in all those places, so I have seen awesome. you know, I've seen hammerhead sharks and sea snakes and multiple species of turtles and um, dolphins I, and all sorts of stuff. I've recently gotten into scuba diving and I, I love it. It's awesome. But that's really cool that you've seen a sea snake. That would be on my bucket list. That would be so cool to see. So Komodo Komodo National Park is probably one of the best places to go if you're a, a, a reptile enthusiast yep. and a scuba diver 
that's okay. I have to. I'm gonna write that down. That's well. That's easy to remember, but that's the. I'll have to look into that. Um, you can literally, you can literally go diving with manta rays in the morning and and you know be chased by komodo dragons in the evening. That's that's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> um, so there's something you mentioned at the beginning. I kind of wanted to circle back to, and um, I don't, if you don't know the exact answer, that's fine. But you were kind of you kind of mentioned how in Australia, like in different states they have a bunch of different rules restricting a bunch of different reptiles um like here in florida they have they have some of the more stricter laws with reptiles than most other states and that's mainly to keep exotics from getting out and stuff what what, what is is that the case in australia like why do they have all these different restrictions? yeah yep so we have a, like an so i may as well just explain how the license works in new south wales so we have uh it's like a three-tiered um license so your first level is oh, it's like a basic basic license gives you a lot of your basic animals bearded dragons and, and blue tongues and some basic geckos and uh things like that and that's essentially 50 dollars. you can pay for it online and you can get it immediately but then all the reptiles are separated by um by class basically so like uh you know skinks turtles pythons um uh, monitors and, and so on and essentially to get your advanced license which is the, the level up you have to have kept a basic animal in that category for two years and then you can apply for the license and then like on the website it says that you should get like your response within two to three weeks but most people's uh, experience is that it can take like up to six months and you sort of have to to hound them um for it like the you pay fees and stuff to keep to keep licenses for reptiles over here but where that money goes like there's not I, I really think there's one lady who works like maybe mondays and just stamps the things and then you know if you don't get on that week you got to wait till the next week you know <laughs> where you are on the pile like that's that's how it feels i don't know if that's the reality but that, yeah, that's yeah. how and um and so yeah and then obviously beyond that is the is the venomous um license and there's different categories within the, the venomous license, but we have a species list of what we can um, keep, which you can find online, but not all species are on there. And it's also incredibly outdated. So a lot of the species on there are all like their old um, Latin names. Uh, they have, it hasn't been updated. And there's also a lot of things on there that, that don't make sense um, where like you can keep an olive python on a basic license but you can't keep a woma on a basic license. A woma is an advanced, or a, I'm pretty sure a um, like a rough scale is an is an advanced species. Hmm. Also, a I think green tree pythons are also advanced. Um, you know, so it's like you can be you can be ten years old and and literally see an olive python at a expo and and then pay fifty dollars and get a license within ten minutes and then leave with it. You know, and 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 your parents don't understand that they've got a potential, you know, dog eating four meter snake <laughs> yeah. in their house at some point. Um, and it, it also makes it a pretty dumb in other ways where it's like the whole, like, for instance, turtles. Okay. So like for instance, turtles, you, the smaller species of turtle here gets to the size of like, it's like 150 millimeters, so like 15 centimeters, which is like uh, five inches, I think. It's a McClay's yeah. turtle. It's what it's what I had 
um, that's the smaller species. And, and even at that size, like your end goal needs to be like a small pond or a very sort of large tank. And you're, and you're looking at, you know, potential of like 40 to 60 years or something that it's going to, going to live for. But like, for me, I really want to keep a, a pig nose turtle one day, you know, it's on my list of, of one day having a giant tank with a pig nose turtle. But the way the system sort of works is that you have to keep a, a sort of a, it's shitty, to, it's shitty to say this, but I'll say it. You kind of have to keep an animal that you don't want for two years in no, order to keep yeah. an animal that you do want. Yeah. And I just don't think that that's the best sort of system. Now, that's yeah. only in my state of New South Wales. Um, in other states, they have like totally different licensing systems. And, and a lot of other states, their, their license systems seem to get updated a lot more. Um, like uh, I think like in um in adelaide sorry in south australia and in victoria you can keep crocodiles up to any size um you just have to pass some basic enclosure requirements i believe but you can if you look on youtube for like um if you look on youtube for like crocodile lady or something you'll see a video of this lady who's got like literally like six crocodiles just in her kitchen <laughs> and 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 she, she like they were trying to take them away from her and 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 you know, and that's the sort of stuff that looks really, really bad, like on the hobby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then, like, then, like the Northern Territory in Queensland, I think you can keep, you can keep freshies up to one point five meters and salties up to one point two meters, and then you got to give them back to the farm. Huh. That's interesting. Um, you can also buy a saltwater crocodile for like three hundred dollars. So, like, and even even the full size ones, like they come up for sale every now and then, but they're not, they're not expensive, which is just, it's kind of insane, you know? And then like in, in South Australia, they've got a lot more um, open rules. So like South Australia, you can keep Owen Pallies, you can keep, I'm pretty sure you can keep green tree monitors, Queensland, you can keep green tree monitors and Owen Pallies, but New South Wales, you can't keep either. Um, and those are like the big, big ticket species, you know, which everybody's interested in. They're very expensive. Yeah um but not everybody can can even have them but and even some of the like the smaller stuff that's maybe like a little bit more obscure you can't even keep um like uh for instance um in new south wales you can't keep um you can't keep uh pilgrensis baroness oh. pilgrensis you can keep um uh Glaudi. so dumb rules like that like why <laughs> it's literally like one of the smallest monitors you can commonly get so yeah, but, but also like you can keep every any sort of exotic fish that you want. You can keep any sort of exotic bird that you want. So it's like it. it I think it's more to do with um, their societies. Like the bird societies and the fish societies are a lot larger. They have a lot more members, they have a lot more money, and they have a lot more people lobbying for their for their their rights or for their for their yeah. Where one of the big issues comes. But there's also, you know, one of the other issues that we have here is is the export and, well, I say export, but the smuggling and Pringle cans of, of shinglebacks and 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 things like that. Hmm. I always find it funny, like, like <laughs> they always find, like, shinglebacks and stuff in the bottom of rice cookers going to China. Oh, my gosh. Like, who's buying rice, Australian rice cookers in China? Do <laughs> 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 you really think it would be the opposite way? <laughs> 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 It's really, yeah. <laughs> really that yeah. thing being exported. Yeah, rice cookers, apparently. <laughs> so, 
so to to buy any rep where you live in New South Wales to buy any that to keep any reptile you have to buy some sort of license in New South Wales yeah there's there's South not Wales. a single reptile you can own without having to no. buy a license first wow that's crazy they are looking to change it so I think in look I don't know too much about other states but essentially yeah. in other states they have like a certain species so all of your basic stuff, better dragons, shinglebacks, children's pythons, or anything basic like that, you can essentially um, just walk into a shop and buy. And then anything sort of in the next sort of tier up, you need to have licenses and stuff for. But how, how it sort of works, I don't know. And look, I'm not, um, I know in America, you guys are very like, oh, like no licenses, freedom to do whatever we want and all that <laughs> yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. Yada, yada. <laughs> Um, but over here, like I quite like the idea of a license. I like, and we have to make a log of what what stuff we have um, mm. each year, and like show like what what animals we have, how many, um, if we know the sex, and if we breed and things like that. You got to keep a log. Now I kind of like that, um, and I, I'm also not opposed to certain species maybe being on a more expensive license, or I'm not really opposed for. To, for other sort of licenses in terms of like i don't know i don't i don't hate the rules um i just wish that when you pay that money it was i felt like it was going somewhere yeah like that's what i was going to ask like do you know if it goes to conservation like when you go to a national state park here it goes into conservation or to help upkeep the park like does it just go to the government or do you not know Look, it would go to it would go to um, parks and wildlife, I imagine, which is like the government organisation that takes care of. Um, look, I'm, I'm probably speaking out of turn on a lot of this stuff. I'm not super clued up, so don't butcher me if I get a lot of this stuff wrong. But um, yeah, it just doesn't really feel like it's it's sort of going anywhere. People get pinged for for having like um, crocodiles and and even alligators in their bathtubs and and all sorts of stuff. But it's generally not. I, f I find it hard to believe that it's really like parks and wildlife doing investigations into people and, 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 and turning it up. It's more likely that they're, they're a drug dealer that's pissed somebody off and someone's tipped them off to go find it. Do you know what I mean? That makes more sense to me. That's what I was going to ask. So like technically in the U S to fish at all, you have to have a fishing license. Same here. I don't know anyone that really has one. <laughs> like yeah. hardly anyone ever buys a fishing license. Uh, you only do it if you are fishing at a certain lake where you know marshals are patrolling a lot. Even then, marshals usually don't stop you. And if that if that is the case, no one fishes there. So, yeah. like, is that the case? Like, there, like, are there like, could you not? I'm not suggesting you should do this, but like, could you go without a license and it like not really make a difference? Or do you really yeah, like need to get the license? Hundred percent. So we we have a big thing like when you when you buy uh reptiles here we have a couple of classified pages and you'll always see on there like um we'll only sell to license holders and and things like that so like there's there, people play all sorts of games to get certain species on license or 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 off license you know like um i mean what's stopping people from you, you see it a lot in say um like common tree snakes for instance that are very like rare in our hobby here at the moment. They're a very common snake in the wild, but very rare actually in the hobby. So like if you've got one and it dies, 
you could just essentially just go out into the wild and catch one and then have it in your house and then like just not, not tell anybody that your one died. So you've just replaced it essentially. And then you could then on sell that animal as a licensed animal. Like what's stopping you? Huh. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, or, or people like what happens a lot is that people will go out and find like a lot of herpers or smugglers and, and poachers and things like that. They might find like a, a really nice looking animal, essentially poach it, bring it back into the collection, breed it through, and then either just let it go or, or, or whatever. Like no one's checking. So yeah. why, what's, what's, what's stopping anybody, you know, but essentially yeah, like if, if I was to buy an animal off you, you would have it on your license and then, you we swap it basically we both give our license and our address and a name and then your animal that's on your license then transfers to my license mm, okay so it's like it's kind of a in a lot of ways it can be a waste of time but i like to also think that the majority of people aren't really i mean like you, you've got to be pretty shitty to try and make a, a quick a quick buck like that and and i'm sure there's there are people that are doing it but majority mm. of people are, but there's also like there's no reason to have a license because no one's checking. Also, if your license laps, lapses, like if you if you pay $50 a year for your license, if your license lapses, there's no like someone knocking on your door to say, hey, have you still got your these snakes you haven't paid for your license? Like, yeah, like there's none of that. So, I mean, what's what's the, as much as I like the license, where's the incentive? Where, where's the incentive? And, and like it, I, what I always find funny too is that like, um, Everybody who keeps, like, it's one thing to keep illegal animals. So there's lots of stuff here, like red tail boas, chameleons. Um, um, what else is really common? Corn snakes are very common here. Um, there's, there's like a number of things. There's a number of things. Are, are you are, saying to keep or just or that are illegal? Illegally kept here. Oh, okay, okay. That are illegally kept. There's there's lots of stuff, right? But what I always like, it's one thing to keep those things. But what I always find hilarious is that everybody who keeps that stuff is so bloody willing to tell you that they keep it. <laughs> hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. Like I work on a, on a building site and just like, like people who, who sort of find out, you know, through the grapevine or whatever that I keep snakes. They're like, Oh yeah, I keep snakes too. And then they're showing me pictures of their, your red tail boas and, things like that and i'm like oh yeah you should, probably shouldn't have that and they're like yeah i know but i got it off this guy and he can get you anything you want i'm like yeah cool i don't i don't want it but like <laughs> you know but it's just it's just madness like i just think that like there is no doesn't seem to be any fear that that you're going to get caught if you're in those in those sort of circles you know that's kind of funny to hear that corn snakes are illegal to keep over there because they're just like or red tail boas, but especially corn snakes. They're just like the most basic animal you can have over here. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're, they're exotic here. Like a ball python yeah. is exotic here. Right, right. Um, and and like corn snakes are have, there. Are a lot of them actually been released out west, so there's like wild really? populations of them now. And that's the problem. That's what that's like. Right. Australia is such a good habitat for a lot of the the exotic species. Like the big issue is like look at the cane toads. We don't want um, absolutely. Yeah natives out essentially um and that's and i look i like that i kind of i like that i don't know in some ways i like australia's hard stance on not letting stuff out and not letting stuff in but i just 
I don't know. I just think that like, that's fine, but then make sure everything else works really well. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, look, it's easy to say though. I mean, like how there's 25 million people in Australia and I mean, maybe 80,000 keep reptiles. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe hundred thousand people in Australia can really differentiate between a carpet Python and a red belly. Yeah. You know, out of 25 million. <laughs> Like you look at the, there's some really cool pages on Facebook over here, like fast snake identification pages where like people on farms post a photo of a snake and then they get like an instant reply. Um, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, it's pretty cool. But some of the stuff you see on there is just like hilarious in terms of like what people think things are, <laughs> you know, so it's just, like, it's, it's like, you know, when you, when you only have say 80,000 people who keep, keep reptiles and, shit like out of how many of those people are actually paying their license fees or pay for a society or, or whatever like where do you expect like it's great to want all these changes but you need money and time to make these changes and you know and, and it's, it's like, it's like here in the u.s sorry i was just gonna say it's like any hobby and, and i'm sure you find it too like anybody who starts to stick their neck out um gets cut down you know like our hobby's so ruthless about Mm -hmm. shaming people dragging oh, yeah. people through the mud and as soon yeah, as anybody absolutely. as soon as anybody makes a name for themselves or does well the rest of the community wants to fucking drag them down and that's so, social media fucking that's why i don't have any social media right there is <laughs> but yeah um but yeah um it's like here in the U.S., especially in the the South, um, all the time I, when people hear like I like reptiles or I keep reptiles or whatever, you know, they're always like, "Oh yeah, I saw a black." They always have a story of how they saw a black snake. I'm like, okay, yeah, and it chased them, and it chased, yeah, them. Yeah, and it chased, chased them. <laughs> exactly. So I had a black snake and it chased me. I was like, okay, when you say black snake, do you mean black rat snake, black racer, black king snake? What do you what do you mean? There's like. What do you mean by black snake? Like you just they're like, no, no, it was a black snake. I was like, all right, <laughs> whatever. The, I had this guy at the Kentucky Reptile Zoo that um he's he's all excited telling me about how he had um a copperhead in his house. He's like, Yeah, I had this copperhead in my house, and he thought it was the coolest thing, and he thought I, I guess he thought I'd get a kick out of that. I was like, Okay, cool. And he shows me a picture of it, and it's clearly a Midland rat snake. And I was like, well, actually, yeah. that looks like a Midland rat snake. It doesn't look like a, a copperhead. He goes, no, 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 it was, it was a copperhead and stuff. And we happened to be standing right next to a cage that had a Midland rat snake in it. And I was like, well, we happen to have one right here. We can compare it to the picture. Yeah, it looks like it's a Midland rat snake. He's like, no, oh, yeah, well, it was a copperhead. <laughs> even, though he, even though he can yeah. see the thing right there. but Yeah, here yeah, my story to be more exciting it's not exciting if it's a midland rat snake they need to have needed to have been in danger their life, <laughs> life to make the story interesting exactly yeah, yeah. The, yeah um, um, i'm part of this uh like facebook group uh like for my state like ohio reptile keepers or whatever something like that and someone posted hey does anyone want an alligator which is illegal in my state without a permit and i had like 25 30 comments on it. I just clicked on the comments and it all said cop. So, because <laughs> everyone knows alligators are legal, so it's obviously just <laughs> it's obviously just fish and wildlife setting something up. 
the there's yeah. this um it, it's illegal yeah so it's illegal in kentucky i guess there's some states where it's le- it's legal to own alligators from my yeah, understanding like, uh, it depends on the law of states like uh i think kansas has like no laws about it yeah but but kentucky it's illegal to own it and stuff and so at the at the kentucky reptile zoo they're they're a bunch of kids came in so they're doing a reptile show and stuff and they're holding an alligator and stuff they're like yeah this is illegal to own in kentucky and one of the girls starts crying this little girl they're like what's wrong they're like well she kind of joked that if you have one you're going to go to jail and stuff and the girl she's like what's wrong she's like my dad owns an alligator she's like She's like, you're, yeah, my dad's going to go to jail? Yeah, like, yeah. Honestly, like, like I said, when I was younger and I, I really wanted a crocodile, and then when I came here, I realized I couldn't have one. Um, and now having now having the Murdens, it's like, I really think alligators, crocodiles, Asian water monitors, and even like retics and berms, they're like, it's like um, like horses. I always find people who keep horses are uh, just fucking insane because it's like, I, I really think that the, the idea of keeping one is much better than the reality of keeping one. It's like just owning the, a boat. The, it's yeah, better yeah, to know exactly. someone who owns a boat than to actually 100%, own a boat. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like it's just, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Like it's too much cost, too much time, too much risk, too much. Yeah. Well, like it just. It, it, I think there's a point of no return when I just think that like maybe it's not going to be as enjoyable as you as you think um yeah but yeah but um yeah i just think um yeah i i i not yeah we want we want change and and yet um i i try and push a lot for our um our like local herb society the australian herpetological society um obviously our meetings and stuff have been all stuffed up due to covid and all of that but i like that a lot of people over in the states like pushing us arc and stuff like that i really like seeing that because yeah. i really think that that's how you how you make a difference you know there's so many people that want to you know complain and kick and scream and you know and and, and it's kind of it's funny like like the hobby is so large now and because of social media it's become cool in a way like you're not just a dork anymore you're you're like you know like it's kind of cool to to own um a lot of these things and build the enclosures and, and some people are very like artistic with their enclosures like they make some pretty like cool stuff and and people come to their house and they just think wow like that's that's really cool it's like being in a zoo and it's like yeah like put a lot of time and effort into this shit do you know what i mean like um, but but you know a lot of the people a lot of the bearded dragon keepers are not going to be part of the society because like why they bought it from pet smart or whatever and they've been given a, a two foot lifetime bearded dragon kit with all the wrong stuff in it and and, and then they go to they go to instagram and they search bearded dragon enclosure and they see some super mario themed enclosure with little cloth blankets and a little couch and stuff and and then like that's it that's how they think you keep them so they, they've got no, there's no hope. And then you've got people who I think are like the old, the old, I don't know how long you've been keeping reptiles, but like I've had reptiles in my life for 28 years. I haven't been keeping them for that long, but I like to think of myself as 
maybe you know maybe not the oldest guard but i've been around for a little while and seen seen a few things but like i don't know how long you've been around but like i i mean i hate facebook for one but you will never see me post in a facebook group because you there's always someone who's who's got three ball pythons and a and a leopard gecko that's willing to argue <laughs> the 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 um you know the what's the word the um how humane it is to feed a Merton's live yabbies. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. like the people who have the knowledge aren't willing to hang around in the circles with the people that need it. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, especially with, with social media and stuff like you can, you can have a very aesthetic, uh, YouTube channel and be loud and, 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 you know, all these things and and not necessarily have a lot of knowledge about what you're doing and you have a whole, whole lot of followers and people follow you every word or you could have a page where you are really knowledgeable and you do show lots of things but people don't agree with what you show because you're free handling venomous or every video is a shock video and, and those people do actually have some knowledge but it doesn't fit the mold of what the old people want you know, but you talk to every old person in the hobby and it's like, oh, I used to free handle, but now I don't. But they're yeah. so very willing to smash the people that are still in that, right. that part of their reptile keeping experience. You know what I mean? I just think that we all we all sort of seem to go through the same motion. Yeah. There's a book, um, is it the Lizard King? It's about like Florida. There was one thing that was in there. It was like every reptile keeper goes through the stages, like bigger, meaner, rarer, hot. <laughs> I've, always, I've always thought that was really interesting because you start out with like a bearded dragon and then you want something bigger so you might go for like a tegu or something and then you want something meaner so you're going for a Nile monitor and then you want something rarer so you're going for a for some like a snake of like some rare snake and then yeah. you everyone up on venomous yep because you know and, so and the venomous true. is completely isolated from the rest oh yeah absolutely I um sorry. No, it's um it's funny though that you mentioned that because I'm going to Australia soon to go to school. So um I kind of downsized my collection. So all I have right now is a ball python, a leopard gecko, and then my take you. So yeah. yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But I'm sure you're not you're not arguing with people that keep right that you don't keep. You know, right, like yeah. Like, like for me, like I, I, you know, I think a lot of my knowledge lies in construction and enclosures and how to make something yeah. look like what you want, or, or make some. If you want to put something in an enclosure, I can make it work. I don't. Mm -hmm. I've never claimed to be some sort of Murden's expert or even a reptile expert on any any level. I know mm -hmm. what I know, and I'll, I'll give you my experience based on an example of one Murden's that I've kept. Um, and people ask me all the time about all sorts of reptiles. And I just say, I don't know. I've never kept one. I'm not going to, I don't know. I, like, if I don't know, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not the guy, but I will put, try and point you in the direction of somebody that, that does, or get this. If you type it in on Google, <laughs> you'll generally find out what you're looking for. You know, or, or if you type, <laughs> you type green tree monitor in on Instagram search, chances are 
you will find someone that keeps green tree monitors. So I suggest talking to them. That's I, probably your best bet. Yeah, I, um, and that's kind of what I like between with me and Nate is I'm more I, – I keep, but I don't do a whole ton of keeping. Um, I'm more into the research aspect and stuff. And he, but Nate does a whole ton of keeping and stuff. Well, not a whole ton, but well, okay, okay. You, you're more of a keeper than I am, and so you kind of get the, the the two perspectives and stuff. So you're not just um, like we each have our kind of own expertise that we can kind of talk to like guests and stuff on and stuff like that. So, um, but um, I've I I, I do going through like like I know a lot of a few people that keep like that do podcasts and, and like the amount that you guys must be learning from talking to all the different oh, people. It's awesome. Like how long, how long have you guys been going for? Not so that long. Be, we started like posting like September of 21 and yes, so you'd be so the, uh, no, not even that four months. 18th. You'd be the 18th guest we'll have, we've had on. So yeah, primo. So imagine what you guys are going to know in like three years. Uh, it, it's yeah. amazing how much we've learned. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversations. It's been awesome. Yeah, you know, like you, you got to just put in reps. You know, like I know what I know with enclosures because I've built hundreds of them, and I've also fucked a lot of them up. A lot of mistakes. So many mistakes. So many. Lots of money. Lots of time for nothing, yeah. other than knowing how not to do it the next time. And and you know. All these guys that are really amazing building rock rock walls out of polystyrene in that now. Like the only reason they're so good is just because they they did it once. It was shit, and then they thought, you know what? I reckon I can do it better next time. And then they did it again, and then they did it again, and they did it again, and then now you're, you know, you now you you make them like um like uh, Cam's Customs backgrounds and um and um um uh, like Matt Somerville and um. Luke from the Australian Herbiculture podcast, you know, like who are just producing these epic looking fake rock backgrounds now. You know, they just, they've just done it lots of times. And it's the same with everything, like same with reptiles, you know, sometimes you keep an animal and, you know, like the first angle heads I had, I bought three and two died. You know, <laughs> just, they were sulking. I didn't know what to do. And, and now I've just hatched my own and my hatchlings are doing great. Awesome, you, yeah. you, know, you, gotta, you, you only learn by putting the the reps in. You can't just expect yeah. yourself to be. You can't expect yourself to be perfect at everything first go. And even more so, other people can't expect you to be perfect at something first go either. That's where the real problem comes in because people people don't allow you to try and people don't allow you to make mistakes, especially in social media. And that's like as much as social media has brought us all together, it's it's created these incredibly defined for everybody and these these uh they've made it so easy to just drag people down that have ascended whatever mountain or totem pole or, or rank that people feel that they get i don't know like it's 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 madness it, it's madness how things seem to open up to you on social media when you get a, a following um, even I've noticed, you know, and like, I, I have a fairly decent following, but I don't like, you'll see it goes up and down and like, I haven't posted anything for a few weeks just cause it's, hasn't really been that important to me. 
but there's yeah. lots going on. Like I'm never not doing something. It's just sometimes I just can't be asked letting the world know about it because it doesn't fill me with anything. You know, like I don't. Yeah. You know, yeah, like I just I, use, most part I just use social media to reach out to people who I think would be really cool guests on the podcast. For the most part, yeah, that's a perfect use for it. That is the perfect use for it. Or 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 trying to get information about some obscure reptile in some some sort of area or i mean like that's that's the the joy of it you know um yeah i post a lot of um like like i don't try try and keep a lot of my personal life like off it you know like i said i don't really use yeah. social media for my for my personal life and you know yeah, you can criticize me on my for the longest time i didn't even have my face on my social media and, and, and feel free to criticize me on my 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 husbandry and my my enclosures if that's what you feel the need to do but like people start trying to attack you personally. It's like, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> you have this idea of this person, but like, I just, yeah, like, like social media, one of those double-edged swords, I think like you, you can get so much reach and it can fill you for, with so much um, positive reinforcement to keep doing what you're doing. But um, in the same vein, like you just get some people that are just not really nice and, and you can just block yeah. those people. It's, it's easy, but sometimes I just don't have the energy to even do that. Going off that, um, and based on previous co comments, I think I already know how you're going to respond to this, but I'm really curious of how a New Zealander slash Australian person, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on Steve Irwin, one, and then two, what would you say the general like thought in Australia is of him? Um, so, I mean, I... I I think Steve Irwin was 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 great, but I also don't look at him through like these rose tinted glasses because you've got people like um, like and, and people close to Steve have even said this about him during the time. Like, as much as he loved the animals, like you have to understand that I think a lot of those like I think he would have done anything to get the shot as well. Do you know what I mean? And and, and yeah. You know, like every one of those snakes that was like crossing the 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 the, the road conveniently for him to drive past, <laughs> right, was right. dragged out of a rock. Yeah, like beforehand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think that, like, as much as I think Steve was great, I think that what he's done for conservation is great. I like, like, I will never ever speak bad about him. But I just think people need to understand nowadays that, like. They're vilifying people now for doing the same things that he did then. Yeah. And yet holding him to this amazing standard and yet everybody below him that's free handling or going out and finding reptiles and, and, and you know, flipping rocks and, and, and things like that. I just think that there's been a bit of a disconnect there. And yeah. I like, I, like I, said, I think he's great. I just think that maybe people kind of think of him as a bit of a god when maybe he sort of he wasn't i saw this interview with him um back in like 2004 where the host said um people in australia aren't a huge fan of you would you say that's true or would you say people in australia are kind of fanboys of them um look everybody's got their detractors i i think that majority of people love him and i think people i think a lot of people like people fall in love with a memory don't they you know yeah, they yeah. they 
they they fall in love with the memory of him and and he's he's kind of like such an icon in australia and and man like you don't know like you look at the world and how how messed up it is right now and all these people that are that are just getting dragged through the mud for, for different stuff like could you imagine steve Irwin in the in oh, like man. the social media oh man you know like he might be getting i don't want to say that but like you, you he, pick some movement might be attacking him right now for whatever <laughs> bloody reason do you know what i mean yeah yeah, I think, yeah. You know, like who knows? Who knows, man? Like he, he probably got out at the right time where we all think of him as a legend, you know, like who knows? Who who knows? Who knows? And and it's like his family and his son are still out there like fighting for, for what he believed in and, and, and they've got all sorts of conservation and, and, and stuff like that going on and and um yeah, man, like yeah, I I mean I've got a high opinion of him. And, yeah. and anybody else, anybody else that's that's out there, there's. I just generally don't. I try and block myself to any sort of negative stuff people say. If you can show me a video of someone flicking a cobra in the nose, I'll be like, "Fuck that guy." But if you just <laughs> tell me like, "Oh, this guy like flicked a cobra in the nose," I'm like, "Okay, maybe maybe that happened." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, if but if lots of people start saying, "Oh yeah, I saw him flick a cobra. I saw him flick a python. I saw him flick this," well, then a pattern forms. You know what I mean? Like I just try not to. There's so much of that on social media where people just these slander campaigns on on, on everybody. Yeah. I generally try and stay out of that, and we even get it in our in our hobby. You know, like um, like um, what what happened recently? Um, Kevin McCurley lost his cobra. Uh. Lilith, the the leucistic white oh yeah uh, yeah like at, at nerd yeah 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 and, I didn't hear and about that. look and there's lots of stuff that you know like these old these older guys that have been around forever like you i just don't think that you can you, you you're standing on the same like you're standing on the same mountain that they've built yeah. and yet and yet then you push them off you know what i mean yeah. it's just it's like, I don't know, like even, even what's the other one? Um, bar check. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. It's a lot of, yeah. Like, it's, it's just, I just, I just try and stay out of that stuff. Like, it's just not, people ask my opinion every now and then. And I just, I don't, I don't know. My opinion is, my opinion is just do your own thing, man. Just make sure mm -hmm. that your animals are well taken care of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and just stay out of the, the gossip side of things and, I'm not. I'm not supporters of them in any way. I'm quite indifferent to them, like you know. But yeah, what I want to say, sorry, is that like he's lost his snake that he loves, and then the comments are just like, "Oh, you fucking killed it. You're shit. You do this. You do that." And it's like the guy's just lost his pet, man. Like you know, like yeah. he's a person. <laughs> yeah, relax. You know, he's you know, he knows a lot more about keeping a king cobra than the people criticizing yeah. him would. So. Yeah, I mean, this guy's just lost the the rarest cobra on the planet, and he's upset. And you're calling him a, a fucking dickhead, and and you're probably going to boohoo over your corn snake, you know, because <laughs> you're not providing it a decent enough care. You know, like yeah. just 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 stay out of it. Yeah, no one needs Absolutely. to know your opinion. It's not that important. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Just, just make sure make sure your stuff is good 
That's all I can I, say. Make sure your end is good. I always tell people, because people ask me all the time, and I tell them I'm into reptiles, what I think of Steve Irwin and stuff. I always tell them, I was like, I loved him as a kid. And I was like, when you go back, like, sure, you watch some of the videos and realize some of the stuff he says or does isn't always exactly correct or the right thing to do. But, like, he got so many people. Like, the the reptile hobby and just every the conservation and stuff is what it is because of him, you know, and stuff. He got so many people into it, especially our age. Yeah. Like, you can't discount that. It's huge impact on the, the thing, so... Um, yeah, and I think that Kevin McCurley and Brian Barczyk are doing that same thing now. Absolutely. Bringing, yeah. Absolutely. You know, they're bringing people in at the ground level, and then it's up to those people to to then, you know, if they are really interested, then they branch out, and then they can, you know, like do whatever it is that they, they want to do. There's plenty of ways to sort of skin a cat, you know, like you can just different directions you can take in the hobby and you might find a sort of a, a groove that works for you. Um, but it's not always necessary to have an enemy. You don't, you don't need to have an enemy in the hobby. Yeah. Which I, think yeah. a lot of people, I think that's very much like, it's not just in our hobby. It's just a sign of the times. It's always, it's always us versus them or red, versus blue, or my team versus your team. And now it's tubs versus naturalistic. And it's just like, you don't always need to have an adversary. You know, you can just hold. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. But uh yeah. Yeah, you know. Steve was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will say uh growing up I always felt bad about my I always felt bad about myself because you'd always be always on a show and he'd just find things randomly and i couldn't find a snake to save my life and now i know it's just all planted i was like okay you know you know what's hilarious what i find funny is like you know like everyone loves national geographic right yeah and like they'll tell the story about the new cheetah cub and the cheetah cub is like lost from its mother or something and then and then it's like finds it within six hours and they show like the cheetah cub running back to the mother and they tell this whole narrative like it amazes me how many people think that shit is real. But I'm telling I you right now, you say. that stuff is horse shit. They, I, they basically took footage of the cub two meters away from its mother alone with the cub, with the like the mother on a different angle. And then they just tell a narrative about how it's been lost. And then it comes back. Like, like it's all, it's all just contrived and it's all just a narrative and it's amazing, but it's not real. I've yeah. never, Personally, I've never been a fan of like the David Attenborough type documentaries where they create that narrative and stuff like I've always been I've always loved like the Nova in nature type documentaries where it deals more with the morphology and physiology of the animals and mm. stuff. But I, I for the longest time, I, I thought everyone knew that like they just get a bunch of footage of something that takes them like six months and then they create some sort of narrative and stuff and throw it on the TV. And recently, I've been discovering like... <laughs> People didn't know that. They thought it was like the actual thing that they filmed. I was like, what? <laughs> like, no, yeah, that yeah, takes like years yeah, for them to get that footage and then they yeah. just throw it together. Like, how, how do you feel about being, you know, lost from your mother for however many days? No, it's all just, they all just sit in a room and create a story around the footage that they've, they've got. And they're yeah. bloody good at it. They are bloody good Absolutely, at it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The but, one um, with movie. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's not real. Yeah, I had I would I do kayak tours on the side, and I had someone ask me. They're like, um, 
They're like, yeah, we were looking, walking through the woods, trying, but we couldn't like see because they watched some documentary mm-hmm. about like the South Florida mangrove stuff and the estuaries and all these. They're like, yeah, there's all these animals everywhere and stuff. And we're like, we're going through here. We didn't see anything. I was like, well, yes. <laughs> I was like, one, you probably passed by a few stuff, didn't even see it because you didn't know what you were looking for or where to look for it. And I was like, yeah. secondly, yeah, I mean, you could spend. I tell people, I was like, because people think the Burmese pythons are everywhere, which there are a lot of Burmese pythons down here. But I was like, I tell them, I was like, you can walk through the swamp for 12 hours, probably walk past five of them and not even not to see a thing, single thing. Like, it's yes, just, exactly. that's not the way it is. <laughs> and, and, and also, I mean, these guys that are filming tigers, they're like sitting in a hide box for six months. Yeah. You know, to catch 10 seconds of the, the ass of a tiger as it goes around a tree. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, they go, see, we saw a tiger. There it is. You can see it's us clearly on film right there. You can tell, too, because if you pay attention in a lot of the documentaries, it's like five different shots that they just continuously replay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 100%. But, you know, I do that, too, right? So for the, <laughs> when I started my Instagram, so I would go through, like, a feeding session with Doc, and I'd give her, like, three or four yabbies, but I'd give her each one in like a different way and film it from a different angle. So it'd be one session, but three or four videos. And then that would be my week's worth of videos. <laughs> yeah, well, it all looks, like it's, looks like it's a different time and I'm putting all this effort in, but it's really not. <laughs> That's you great. You get content in around three minutes if you're lucky. Yeah, exactly. So but, you, know, you don't, you don't know that um, unless you, unless you, you know, on, on this side of the camera and not on the other So yeah absolutely yeah well that's a good way to get more footage too that's that's pretty smart <laughs> just film it from different angles <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah so, um, but yeah that's that's just how it works bit of a bit of a secret for anybody out there yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know if we heard the pulled the curtain back for anyone, but... <laughs> we found the wizard of oz everyone yeah <laughs> yeah uh well Matt, um got any other questions matt no i think that's a pretty good spot to end i think we talked about a lot of stuff do you have anything you want to say tyson um no not really just uh you know follow doc Merton on instagram um follow habitats at home you're going to see a lot more stuff on my uh, enclosure building business side of things shortly um if anyone follows me they know i've been teasing at a lot of stuff for a long time and this year you're going to see a lot more of it um i'm hoping to have a little bit more time in the next sort of six months to sort of show a lot more what i'm doing so just just follow that um you might see a bit more on the youtube as well that's had to take a bit of a a, a hiatus due to due to due to my work commitments but um yeah and uh just do do more for your reptiles keep keep cool. researching keep keep reading keep asking questions and and just grind yeah awesome cool thank you for coming on okay cheers guys yep see ya see you later